Yeah, that that was one of the things that I thought was hilarious. We were talking about with the Bloodthirsters. Um, they, you know, their weapon skill degrades as well, which is fine. But their ballistic skill of two plus doesn't degrade, which is really awesome with the twelve inch whip that you have. <laughs> you were baller at shooting with this at a very short range for very little damage. Yay! <laughs> but worse at hitting people with your big sword. Right. <laughs> <sighs> It's fine. This is fine. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that is interested in all things in the warp. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, we are all back together today, and uh, it is time to talk about a brand new Codex, because we have the brand new Codex Chaos Demons in hand. And so we were going to be talking about 10 things you need to know about the Chaos Demons Codex. Uh, but first, as always, news, new releases, and your listener mail. And yes, we actually still have some mail after the mail palooza of our last episode. But... Uh, <laughs> Mostly because I found a couple that had slipped through the filters and been missed, so I've got those now. And I think actually, I think one of them may have come in like right after we recorded. But anyway, we actually have a couple of letters. Uh, but uh, let's see. As always, we are going to start with Voton Watch. It is time to talk about all things short and squatty. <laughs> Hey there, quick note from the editor. This episode was recorded before the Nova Open Games Workshop reveal of the entire Voton army and the subsequent leak of the entire Voton codex that has since followed up. So if this seems like we're missing a few things, that's why it wasn't revealed yet. So anyway, back to the show. And uh, we actually have our first uh heavy support choice featured we were wondering when we would see those and now we have one and it is the broker thunderkin which like it's like a a guy it's not quite exo armor it's but it looks like a power loader with like a big old gun that they're lugging around yeah yeah sort of like a half exo suit just to carry the heavy stuff pretty much yeah I like it. It's kind of a neat combination of like the the mechanical like industrial stuff for the leagues as well as like functional battle armor. Like I, I think these are these are some of my favorite models. These are these like they have much more personality than like the the is it Hearthkin? Like just the standard warrior. Like these look a lot cooler. <laughs> Although I am interested in the weapons because it appears there are in, in the images they provided it looks like it's all the same weapon. So, I mean, I assume that that gun will, that there'll be gun options, but as of right now, it looks like it's just the one. Yeah, that's the curiosity. And also, depending on the weapon, will they be squads of three or will they be squads of five? Because, I don't know, part of me is thinking, I just get this feeling there's going to be a lot of squads of three and some of the elites and heavies type stuff. Yeah, you might see that at least initially um, as we, as we stumble closer to a release because i mean i think this is the last 
like this was the last slot that we didn't have any units for. So super heavy at this point. Lord well, okay, well, sure, super heavy, <laughs> but not every faction my idea is a, for that. Not every faction is a super heavy, so I don't really count that. But this <sighs> like does like flesh out the basic force orc. So like we might be getting something sooner than later. But um, I, I noticed I think with sisters we had kind of the same thing where when they did their initial re-release, like they were, they did a couple of units that are like, hey, they you get three of these in the box, or you get you know four of these in the box. So the unit is exactly four until we release the full kit. So I kind of hope they don't do that with Votan, but I can kind of see them maybe being like, yeah, your heavy, your heavy, uh, broker Thunderkin are, are units of three because that's what we sell them at. And then maybe down <laughs> the line, they become, they become a, you know, a unit of five or something. I was going to say, I, I don't know about that because we have like space marine units, like the eradicators and the eliminators, I think are still in units of three because that's how they were as like oh, yeah, Bonopo's models. So who knows? Yeah, yeah that's and true. I, I, I'm thinking the same to the fact that, well, they showed the three bikes. As Kevin noted here, they show three of these guys. And also I play things like Custodes and Eldar, which Eldar bikes are like in threes and Custodes... Well, the elites used to be threes until they made like, them down to one, oof. which I still find weird. <laughs> it makes sense, in my opinion, for like custodes or space marines to be smaller units, but like with with squats, like you're they're already smaller units. So yeah, you're taking smaller <laughs> units already. You should be able to make up for that with larger numbers. <laughs> yes, I was I was make I was about to make that exact same joke of taking smaller units. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. We're on the same page, Kev. We're on the same page. <sighs> no, but I know what didn't they say uh, Nova, I believe they're going to do a big announcement. Yeah. yeah so next, I would not be surprised yeah. if we see something revealed. I'm still angling for army box. I'm I still angling still for happen. a super heavy. That's like three vehicles that could combine into one giant robot. Well, it'd be like two yeah. different model sets, but wouldn't that be cool? A like a Voltron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you could like have your movement phase to combine or un- or disassemble based on and then if you only you had can, two you couldn't uh, combine anymore. Y- you no can use that but you <laughs> You can use that but you have to paint them in neon green and purple. That's the rules. I don't <laughs> yes. make them. That's just the rules. <laughs> hey, if they gave me like a super robot like that, I would do that. I mean, <sighs> that's amazing. <laughs> Uh, okay, as far as weapons, they do mention that uh, hordes of enemies fall before bolt cannon salvos, while heavy infantry find themselves pierced by unstoppable lances of SP conversion beamers. So there's at least two weapon options. Okay, cool. I think they just showed us a conversion beamer, because that's probably newer looking. Than yeah, I, and the conversion beamer cannon. does look cool. Yeah, it does. It it really does. So Votan are, I mean, it seems like they're getting closer and closer. I mean, we're... Isn't it weird that like in April it's like oh yeah no this is this is going to be like they're teasing us with this but it's going to be like way down the road and then it's just like here we are four months like f- like four and a half months later like yeah. oh no this is coming out any any week now uh, we yeah, were I, saying I know but fall? I know we've been yeah I know we've been saying that but it still just seems like for a new faction to be oh. dropped this fast. I'll, I'll fully admit, I was like, nah, it'll be next year. So they're way, they're going way faster with this than I thought. <laughs> Remember, I said I thought it would be in time for me to have this army for Renegade in November. So yeah, and I, th- and I thought you were stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> and yet, turns out I was You're wrong. stupid now, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> 
turns out it's me. It's usually me. <laughs> Let's see. What else? We've got some kill team updates. Not the, you know, we don't do a lot of kill team, but I think this one is interesting because the annual is getting ready to be released. And uh, one of the things that they pushed in that is the fact that the Eleusidian Star Striders and the Gellerpox Infected will be getting profiles again. Yeah. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Which I think ties in nicely with the fact that the next big kill team setting, which is apparently going to be for the next year, is going to be inside of Space Hulk. So we're going to be doing more like shipboard stuff. Well, and it's interesting. Um, now that you mentioned that, I don't think I'd maybe I hadn't pieced this together, but I I know that they released a lot of stuff in Kill Team first and then like, you know, put rules out for it for other things. I wonder if you're gonna get like a, the first look of the first unit of Votan being like the the um Hearth Warriors as a unit in Kill Team. Because when they were announced, that's it was them, you know, stumbling into a space hulk. Hmm. I don't know. It just makes me wonder if you're gonna get that first before you before you actually get like an army box or something. So maybe they'll release Kill Team and the other the 40k rules at the same time. Maybe I mean we've seen it with uh, like well I mean Deathcore didn't really get new new rules but uh, we've seen it with other Kill Team factions like the Crude are getting new rules the uh, Imperial Navy Breachers are getting rules for both systems so I don't know that could be an interesting way to release release models first if they're if they're not yet ready to drop the whole army right. Kind of like what they did with the the squat prospectors for uh, Necromunda. Kind of like tease them in and then yeah. drop the whole thing. And I just I just thought about this because because that 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 uh, teaser trailer when they announced him, it was literally you know a a a, a kin warrior like on a space Hulk. So yeah, I'm willing to bet that kills in game. Yeah, yeah, so I'm willing to bet they kill. Would- they tied in with this. And I would not be surprised if we see the Votan feature because well, one of the things they dropped in the last couple last week or so was uh, the roadmap for how this is going to. So like the next year is all like all the kill team stuff is going to be set on the Galodark, the space hole. Mm-hmm. And so like there's Into the Dark, which is the box set that's going to be Crute and Imperial Navy. Then uh, they say Shadow Vaults, Soul Shackle, and Gallowfall are the the other quarterly releases, uh, which will have new kill teams, more terrain that is compatible with the Space Hulk hallways thing they're doing, which that terrain still looks just amazing. Yeah, uh, that looks awesome. And then, uh, and so there's a very real possibility that one of those four, like one or one of those later three releases could have a a Voton kill team. I mean, they're going to need to have rules for Voton, assuming that these drop in, um, assuming this drops in like September, October, uh, I, you wouldn't want to have people waiting too long. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them in the annual. Yeah, like if they do a kill team in the annual, they don't they don't mention them, but they may not they may be wanting to play that closer to the chest, or they may release rules for them in White Dwarf, and then maybe in the next annual they'll be caught up because this annual does include like all the stuff from the year that's been released so far, plus anything that's been in White Dwarf, plus um just extra stuff they want to add. So maybe not Voton in this one, but I could definitely see a Voton kill team release in White Dwarf coming up soon. If they do in fact come out this quickly. 
uh, would not surprise me with, as Kevin said, how quick it feels Votan are coming. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of things that are coming up quick, uh, we had new pre-orders yesterday. Uh, the Accursed Cultists are now available, and the Possessed are available now. So that finishes up, I think, all the new Chaos models that were announced. So now, Games Workshop did send us the kits for the Accursed Cultists and Possessed. I have not had a chance to put the Possessed together yet, although I've looked f- through the instructions for them. And I did put together the Accursed Cultists. Uh, much like the other cultist kits, these are all monopose models with, and these have even less convertibility than mm. the, uh, than the standard cultists where you could swap out like one head. <laughs> like there's, there's less than that. It's the, the, the models that you see, fi- see here, that is what you get. Exactly those poses, exactly those models. So if you want to run multiple units of these, or I think the unit size is 10 mutants and six torments, you're going to see two of each in a squad because that's, that's how they are. And the way they're modeled, it, like the way they chose to model them, it's going to be real tricky to convert these to do anything else. You might, some people like using green stuff and other models might kit bash something, but... Like, this is what you get. And the Possessed are similar. There's a little bit more flexibility there, like different backpacks, I think different heads, an occasional weapon swap. It's nowhere near as flexible as the older Possessed kit. That's slightly disappointing. Although I will say I think these Possessed models look a lot better than the old Possessed. Oh, they look fantastic. Like I, and I, And I think this is one of those things that we're going to start seeing seeing more of is this trade-off of inter like interchangeability of parts and being able to like kit bash any you know infinite combination of parts that you want versus having these high quality like high quality models with dynamic posing mm-hmm. and unless they're doing kits that are like some of the kill team kits where it's like this model, you know, like we talked about like the tripos models where it's like this model makes like three variants just depending on like, do you want to make it a like, like the, the death core Krieg ones? Like, do you want to make this a standard trooper or is he like a demo guy or a medic? You know, it's like, which of these three kinds do you want to make? That's about as much flexibility as we're seeing outside of like space Marines these days. Mm-hmm. So, I just I see this as a continuing trend, and I don't know if it's a pushback against people who make th- like is this because they just want to do different things with the models? Is it a business decision to make third party bits vendors and people who print three D bits out less capable of working with their stuff, which then is just going to drive people to buying three D proxies, you know, three D printed right. proxies entirely. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why they're making that decision, but it is what they are doing. Hmm. Uh, then we've got like the new combat patrol, which we'll talk about when we get to talking about the book itself. Also, a lot of the old metal uh, demon models are being uh, made available for a limited time only. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, I've was... already got 60 demonettes and. Um... I would say you the have the mask change. already. I have the mask. So, I'm they, which is the only Slanesh one. I was a little bit surprised by like what they chose to make available. Because yeah, you'd think that like the demonettes are like 
you know, would be would be one that you'd put up there for for re- additional order. But yeah, you know, it's just a couple. Oh, they're never putting the Juan yeah. Diaz demonettes back. They're they aren't. Uh, they're too revealing. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, didn't they? Didn't they do a, a mate to order for thing for them? Like in the past year, oh, or two, I think I thought. The, like they did. Uh, like they had a small window. I, I think, think that maybe, it. maybe I think it was when we were at. It may have been when we were last at Renegade, so 2019. Because Dennis, I okay, seem so to remember you trying to like yeah. place a, a last minute order while we were at there. Renegade. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that I said if I got that, I was going to run them at Iron Halo next year. I did. So and I ran them at Iron Halo next year. So Woo-hoo. it's it's been a while since they released those. But uh yeah, and then but like the old Beast of Nurgle, the old Flamers, the old Pink Horrors, and uh old Karanak, who does he he doesn't he have like he, a new plastic? He does have a new anyway? he does have a new plastic model, but it's not available for sale right now. Because <laughs> it is, was in that it was in that like Wrath and Pain box that was like corn versus yeah, Flanesh. Yeah, and then they they did release him separately at a later point. But I I I did think it was kind of funny that like oh yeah the plastic model is you know out of stock right now heavy finger quotes but the classic made to order model is available like all right whatever <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing GW it's fine <laughs> it's fine this is all fine <laughs> so like he is technically available separately you just can't get him right now you just can't get him right now yeah i mean same thing with the mask i believe there's a mask model um that came in that same set but uh and she actually is available so yeah so i don't know they're not doing it for all of them but <laughs> the new mask is a much better model than the old one agreed absolutely <laughs> Yeah, not even a question. Also, I'd like to point out that even though it looks like the the Nurgle and Zinch start collecting boxes are gone, the uh, Slanesh one still around. <laughs> <laughs> like the corn one, obviously has been replaced with the uh, patrol box, combat right. patrol. But and I think the. Uh, Let's see. They have what they call their, um, for Age of Sigmar, their Vanguard armies, which is their their equivalent of combat patrols. And I think they have a Chaos, like a, a Maggotkin of Nurgle one. Let's see. Uh, Maggotkin of Vanguard, Maggotkin of Nurgle. But it's a mixed demons and mortals, so you couldn't use it in 40k. I mean, you could. You just have to be creative with it, right? It's but like the the yeah. old demons of Nurgle one was like a bunch of plague bearers and three plague drones and a herald and some Nurglings and like that was a nice basic one to start with. So it yeah, it is weird. It's like I hope you like corn because that's what you get. Other than maybe Slanesh, if you like Slanesh. I mean, everyone likes corn, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yes, I believe that is all the uh, news and new releases other than, I guess, Horse Heresy has uh, Death Guard upgrade kits. That's about it since our last episode. So, let's... Oh, you're going to say something, Kevin? Uh, no, sorry. No. I, okay. <laughs> I was I was going to say something. I'm like, wait a minute. No, I think that was actually released like three weeks ago. So, you would have talked What's about that? it before. That, I was going to talk about, about the Sakaran... 
the Leviathan Dreadnought. Like oh, yeah, they, the, they finally released the the other version of it. But I was like, nope, that that was long enough ago. It's weird now yeah, that we've we done ca- this for like th- four weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did catch that in the last episode because we mentioned like the uh, like the ranged and close combat Leviathans as well as these separate weapon sprues, which the weapon sprues were sold were like temporarily out of stock, and uh, the Sakarans available now. Yeah. Which I kind of want to get one, but I'm building up enough of a backlog of horse heresy stuff as it is. <laughs> oh, oh, there is actually one other horse heresy thing that they did mention. I almost forgot about it because it, it was the throwback with the Land Raider Proteus. Oh, the that's OG right. little stubby Land Raider. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It does not look good. It is I a like classic, it. though. Yeah, I like it. I like the classics. Do you like the the two D Def Dread? That's a classic, right? I mean, <laughs> I'd be okay with that if they release more cardboard standees of models. <laughs> My wallet would like it better. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they would still be they would still be sixty dollars a piece. <laughs> well, then, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> And, but, and, and then they have a thing of you can't print cardboard. <laughs> what you do is you, uh, on the, the box itself, when you buy the model kit, you then get a couple of pop-outs that pop out of the, the cardboard from the, the packaging. So it's official GW product, and then you can just mix those in with your, your full model units. <laughs> oh, my. Where do I start there? <laughs> It's what you asked for, Dennis. It's what you it get. Was. It was. <laughs> oh, man. It does look wonderfully stubby, though. And I know it's probably the size... Like, it's probably halfway between the size of a rhino and a land raider. Like, it's probably as wide as a land raider, but... It's probably the right size for the Terminators of that day and age. True. <laughs> Which were smaller. <laughs> I, I am amused that they it, the kit does come with the options to make the Explorator, which doesn't have the assault ramp in the front. It has a dozer blade. So everybody has to pour out the, the doors on the side. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually, it looks noticeably shorter than a standard Land Raider, too. So, yeah, it is, yeah. It is, it is the stubby little <laughs> Land Raider of days past. They're like, it owes much to the original plastic version released in the 1980s. The classics never die. So, yeah, that 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 is coming for, for, for what it is worth. But, you know, somebody's going to buy that and love it. And maybe put oh, yeah. lights and... Sh- you, you, sh- you missed a letter from our last episode where someone wrote in and said, like, I've, I bought a Chaos Land Raider to be, like, my ultimate modeling challenge. And I want to put, like, magnetized chains on it. And I want to put a lighting kit on it and do, like, custom, uh, custom transfers. And we're like, oh, that's all the things <laughs> you're going to do. Mm-hmm. All that. Somebody's going to do that level of customization to one of those Proteuses and make it look amazing. Oh, Absolutely. Because people people love that that version of the model, so like yeah, absolutely. People people are going to go nuts when that comes out. Or mm-hmm. get two of them, make them look like feet, and then get two other vehicles to make look like legs. And oh, the Thunderhawk can be a body, right? <laughs> and you have to paint it in neon neon green and purple. <laughs> we, we've established this. I'm sure there's a neon green and purple Space Marine chapter somewhere. Oh, I'm sure there there, there always is because you can make up your own chapter. 
successor of the Ultramarines, right? <laughs> uh, most likely. I mean, turns out some captain or the other was colorblind. It was a weird gene seed flaw. He thinks it's blue and white. He doesn't know. <laughs> uh, and on that note, let's move over to listener mail. <laughs> As always, these letters are written by you, the listeners, and we'll tell you how you can have your letter read on the air at the end of the segment. So for, we have two letters today. First is from Anders Berkstum. Anders writes, Hi, guys. I'm starting a crusade campaign this fall, my first, actually, with some of my friends. My questions for you are all for Matt. My questions for you all are many, and I'm grateful for your time and reflection, though I realize clean and simple answers might be hard. Firstly, do you guys have any good tips on starting a campaign? Things to consider, do's or don'ts. As I'm the one rallying my friends into doing this, I'm donning the mantle of semi-game master. I write the narrative, and most battles will be played in my house on some of my several war zones. I've written a declaration of intent and baselined some ground rules other than the actual crusade rules, stating things like, we play friendly, good sportsmanship, we're here to have fun, and so forth, so that all players have a common ground. All the players are my friends, albeit some new acquaintances, but the other players don't know each other. The other part is, how the hell am I going to fit all the lovely models into a 50 PL order of battle? We're doing a slow grow campaign because some of the players are new to the game. I'm the veteran. One is actually about to buy his first models as I write this. I'm starting a Chaos Space Marine army. The others are playing Death Corps of Krieg, Imperial Knights, Death Guard, and probably Necrons. I'm leaning towards Iron Warriors. I'm not very fond of tentacles, but don't want a gun line. I've written to you before describing our general meta as friendly, but hard. We play nice, but we play to win. We usually all, we usually use all the match play rules, but play friendly. So how do I plan this to have some teeth in the list, order of battle, but in a fun and narrative way? What's fun to play against those of you who don't play chaos armies, if not all of you do, and what might be too hard a list? Iron Warriors are siege lords, and I aim for some kind of siege shock troops, a kind of breacher pioneers, shatter core, or special operations strike force. Sieges can't all be fought with throwing bigger bombs at the enemy and starve them during an occupation. You need an army element to punch through. Do I run legionnaires and rhinos? Terminators, Raptors, a Lord Discordant with Venom Crawlers and Mauler Fiends, Master of Possession with Possessed and Obliterators, Land Raider with Chosen, Warp Smith and Lord of Skulls. There are so many cool models and so little room in 50 PL. I love Demon Engines. How do I beat Knights or Death Guard? How are my troops ever going to score points on objectives or secondaries? When I want all my tools to kill the enemy, how do I not beat the new players too much? Thank you for an awesome show. For me, the best 40K podcast. A lot of content providers focus heavily on competitive 40K. You all meet the perfect balance between friendly and competitive. So thanks. Keep up the good work. Best regards, Anders from Sweden. Thank you, Anders. And yes, we we do try to do that balance because we are not hardcore competitive, but we play in tournaments sometimes. You know, we enjoy that aspect of the game, but we're the last people to go to to find out how to win a tournament because <clears throat> you haven't yet. So... How to win a tournament? Roll dice, do good. In the end. Roll, roll the roll only the finest artisanal dice <laughs> right. with the best artisanal army that is fits the artisanal meta for the quarter. You know that kind of thing. Having been to Gen Con and spent way too much money on artisanal dice, it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> So, so as an aside, this year at Gen Con, I went more on a budget uh, because I was trying to like you know not spend as much money since I just bought a house and I, I walked away with only five new sets of dice. So only oh, I five. Think 
That's what restraint looks like for me. <laughs> I thought he said he was going to walk away with a manta. Hmm. No, not this year. Ooh, but in the future. <laughs> Probably He's not left the, the door either. open. <laughs> and, and then you can fill it out with lights and put some chains on it. <laughs> hey, we've seen... We, Ooh, were at, uh, hmm. <laughs> we were at LVO when we saw that... Remember the, uh, oh, the manta yeah. that had the light kits and everything? Yeah, it can, you can do some really cool stuff with it. Hear that? You can do it. Kevin Rob just said so. <laughs> no, people that are talented can do it, not me. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard. People can do this, but not me. <laughs> uh, hey, I guess uh, something we you missed something you missed from last episode. Richard and I agreed. Trying to do the thing is better than not doing the thing. So yes. do the thing. Bye, Amanda. Do the thing. No. no. <laughs> uh. Okay, back to the left. Back, back to this. Okay, so okay, so st- how to start a campaign? Um, to be fair, we have never played a campaign exactly. Like we haven't done a campaign, so mm. I don't know if I can, you know, provide any sort of like cohesive tips. <laughs> well, we we've had people on in past episodes to talk about like a narrative campaign type thing. How you set up missions, um, and just do you like give like bonuses for victories? How do you get the narrative out there of this happened? What are the consequences that'll flow into the next games that each of the people play? So it's kind of one where you can kind of set it up as like a flow chart ahead of time and map it out that way or go on a game by game basis to say, okay, this happened. How is it affecting the narrative? Write up the scenarios for the next set. And then just try and keep all the scenarios balanced and even so the players still have fun doing it as opposed right. to like, I beat this guy down, so now I'm all powerful. No, don't do that. But give them some sort of benefit for having a victory. Right. Well, and part of like crusade play is that's <sighs> built into the crusade rules because you're getting, you're unlocking artifacts, you're getting battle honors to give your units more abilities. Yeah. And, yeah, so, in, and then in like a, a lot of the crusade packs will do like tree campaigns or things like that where it's like, yeah, whoever wins this, um, like gets a benefit into the next game. Sometimes whoever loses the game also gets a different benefit because you don't want to, like if somebody is having a losing streak, you don't want to continue penalizing them. That's also not great. Yeah. So, I mean, that yeah. might be, go look through some of the crusade campaigns and see what's there that you could pilfer from. Right. Yeah. We have a couple of episodes. I think the ones you were mentioning, like we had Pimp Cron on talking about, yes. uh, a, like mission design. Yes. And, which I think is uh, something I discovered recently. I don't know if I can find the name of it. Uh, he actually made a, a miniatures agnostic skirmish game. Oh, nice. Like in the last last couple of years. Uh, where if I can find the video where they had the name of it. Because I actually saw it referenced on uh, Gorilla Miniature Gaming. Brutality. He has a, a skirmish war game called Brutality. And, uh, he's got both, uh, he, he, there's actually a YouTube channel where he has, uh, like shows off how to do like, it can be played as a solo campaign thing with an AI, uh, or you can do it, you know, head to head. Um, and there's, he's also got a set of space rules that he's working on called brutal space as well. So he's been getting not just into mission design, but into game design as well. Nice. Very nice. 
Uh, but yeah, having you know, coming up with those things, and you don't have to do like if let you, you those episodes are still on online, and um, you don't have to get real complex. In fact, one of the lessons he had from that is don't go too complex. Small tweaks can go a long way towards changing the flow of the game and feel free to steal things from other missions. Um, also, mm-hmm. I think you've done a very good job by setting down the declaration of intent and like the basic ground rules of this is how we are expecting to play. So n- everybody being on the same baseline is very good. Um, as far as like how to, how to fit, you know, how to do 50 uh, PL of iron warriors, which I think, I think iron warriors is a good choice. Um, there's some really good stuff there. And if you want to focus on more of an assault based, uh, I think terminators would be a good choice. Um, like if you like demon engines, obviously a Mahler fiend is a fantastic choice. Mm hmm. I wouldn't bother with the Venom Crawler just because, unless you're going to go with the Master Possession and Possessed instead. That could be a whole thing, like Master Possession, Possessed, Venom Crawlers, and Obliterators, because they all do work together. Um, 50 PL, like a Land Raider is going to be a big chunk of that. I don't know if I would go necessarily. I would not go the Lord of Skulls. I think that's that's the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll just because you're going to run out of PL very fast. My, my two thoughts on 50 PL from playing some games and then just as we're trying to get ready for the um, U.S. Open Crusade is focus on your core. Like, what is the core thing you want to do? Because a core thing takes up about 30 to 40 PL. And you don't have much room to kind of then play around after that. So what's your core theme and find the units that support that? And the other thing I'll say is those games are normally played on the small board. And on the small board, you're going to get into assault very fast if someone else is an assault army. Or if you want to play an assault army, uh, you can get to people pretty fast. So um, just be aware that that's a change at 50 PL if you're playing on the small board. combat will happen very quickly and everybody's going to be in range very quickly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I would say unless you like, even if you try to sit back and shoot, which you don't want to do from the sound of it, um, I would look, I would probably look at like, cause iron warrior, like Raptors do not strike me as being very iron warrior ish. Terminators absolutely do. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's like I could I could see, and maybe instead of a land raider chosen, I would go. I would probably go legionnaires and rhinos because you need some stuff to to hold points because that's still those missions still re- want you to hold points. So legionnaires and rhinos, I would go with terminators. I would not go with raptors. Um, I would see about maybe f- fitting in a Mauler fiend and then whether you go with a warp smith or a lord discordant as your hq or a chaos lord and maybe have a warp smith as a secondary um like that is probably the direction i i would go in um if you're not fond of tentacles i don't know if possessed especially the newer possessed models i don't know if that's necessarily what you want to go with um so uh i mean like you say like i love demon engines I don't want to play shooting, which tells me Mauler Fiend. I mean, that that's right. straight up what I get there. Um, how do I beat knights? 50 PL of knights is not a lot of knight. Um, 
if you probably be a giant one and two armagers or something like that right i'd put a mauler fiend up against an armager any day i think that's a pretty solid fight yeah um Oh, this was one other bit of news I'll just kind of mention offhand. Battlescribe disappeared off, like, the the iOS app store for, like, two days. Right. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, okay, so Battlescribe hasn't been updated in, like, two years, and the app has sat idle, and then it just disappeared, and immediately everyone's like, oh, God, Games Workshop had them taken down. Games Workshop, you know, has has decided to take them out. It's like, and and then the dev popped back up on Twitter. He's like, no, no, because it's just that uh, my credit card had expired and I hadn't updated it, so the iOS store didn't have like a current record for me, and so they took the app down. But I updated it, and it was back within like <laughs> a half hour of him stating that, like getting it fixed. <laughs> and he's like, typical, "I took a typical GW bullying small content creators <laughs> off the internet." <laughs> And and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I took a couple of years off. I had some personal stuff. I'm going to be releasing some uh, some like bug fix updates and things like that soon. Like, oh my! Battlescribe. He's like, Battlescribe's not dead. I just haven't. I've had other stuff to work on in the last couple of years. See, and I don't buy I'm, any of that, but I'm glad that it's still up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised he said he's going to do development work because I thought it was just kind of on just fan support to update things and right. the app itself was not updated anymore, but this is neat. Yeah. I, I hope it's the case. I don't, I don't buy it, but you know, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause I just, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's probably just passive income form at this point. Like the, the apps out there, and as long as people are subscribed to it and buying it and stuff like that, like, I don't know. Until GW actually releases a good ver- you know, list building app that like works consistently, that it, yeah, Battlescribe it, I mean, is still okay, the best in the in the market. <laughs> like the 40k app, it, it keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit better, but there's still things they haven't fixed. Like Tau weaponry for Crisis Suits still doesn't work right. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. do the escalating cost per choice, so that's still a problem. So I can't use it. Like I could use it for building like the Tau list for like like the US Open because I'm not duplicating any weapons on a model so that kind of works but there's still just enough little little bugs in yeah. the data that it's it's not great a lot of um, a lot of the like units that don't take up a slot don't work yeah, right they no they do not right yeah or they half work right cuz <laughs> I've had one where it's like okay I added in these things and they're supposed to like not take up slots and like the 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 little fill out on the 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 little icons in the detachment like show up correctly but then like this there's still a little alert down at the bottom saying that I have too many of like elite choices or fast attack choices or whatever. Yeah. Right. So that the list, it still says that the list isn't valid. Yeah. It's little stuff like that, that until they get, I mean, and then it's, I think part of it's personal preference as well. Like I just don't like the app as much as I like Battlescribe, you know, aside from like the little data. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I I hope, I hope they keep updating Battlescribe. I, I think it's good to have multiple options. I think it's good to have, third parties that are creating stuff for this 
but we'll see how it we'll see how it goes, I guess. <laughs> Back to the the general question, um, and with the Iron Warrior stuff, like there's also some of the new plastic kits for Horus Heresy, like the Leviathan Dreadnought. Um, True, that would be good fits, I think. Um, because Iron Warriors aren't going to have as much chaos uh, stuff, so it's not going to feel out of place having like a 30k Leviathan Dread or Contemptor Dreads mixed in there. The Leviathan Dread especially, it's only 13 PL, and that thing packs a huge punch either from shooting or melee. So um, I, I think you can look at some of those older, you know, quote-unquote older Horus Heresy uh, plastic vehicles. Um to kind of fill out some of the, some of those things as well. If you don't, you know, if you don't want to run a bunch of Mauler fiends, for example, and so then, I'm, you know, I'm throwing, Leviathan dreads tend to have fewer tentacles. So <laughs> this is also true. So I'm kind of like piecing this together. Mauler fiends are seven power, like seven PL each. So that's 14 mm-hmm. terminators are nine. So that's uh 23, uh, two squads of legionaries are these are five man squads. They're six each. So two are at twenty three. That's thirty five. A warp smith is five. So that gets you up to forty. 14. You've got ten PL to play with. Um, if you wanted to change that, uh, if you want to change out the uh, warp smith for a disco lord, he's nine. So that would get you to forty four. And then, um, let's see. Say rhinos. rhinos are four PL a piece, so you wouldn't be able to get two rhinos in that. But no, yeah. If you kept the well, disco yeah. lord, yeah, you you could get up to forty eight if you put each of those legionary those five man squads in rhinos. And it, yeah, and, and like how hard like a disco. I, I will say a disco lord and a pair of Mauler fiends is pretty hard hitting, right? So. Like that, and that's definitely not going to be a, a shooty list. Although, like, with depending on how you like with your terminators and your legionaries, you can definitely have some shooting, but you'll also have stuff that can just crack in. Uh, if you only do one Mauler Fiend, then I would not do the Disco Lord, I would probably just do like a Warp Smith or a Chaos Lord, and then you'd have more PL to play. Then you could do like the dual rhinos. It's like 50 PL is is hard to work with, but yeah, Dennis, you're absolutely right. Figure out what, like, what is the core? How do you want this to function? Like, how do you, how do you, how are you going to try to win a game and then add flavor on top of that? So, like, figure out, like, what do you need to score objectives and then go from there? Also, thanks for blowing me up earlier about making fun of me for trying to fit a uh, Lord of Skulls into 50 PL. Because <laughs> that was hey, that the, was our conver- that was our conversation about the KC Open. It's like, can I put yeah. a load of skulls in here? Well, so like no. I told everybody, my fifty PL is Townar. <laughs> like that, that's it. Screw it. Like, well, I've got fifty PL of good Tau and then fifty PL of Townar, and that's my that's my hundred PL battle order. <sighs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I think, and it's like, how do I plan this to have some teeth and lisp in a fun and narrative way is lean into the theme. I think picking Iron Warriors, leaning into the theme, that's how you have yeah. fun with it. That's yeah. how you have fun with it. And I think with Death Gore of Krieg, Imperial Knights, and Death Guard, Iron Warriors will fit in nicely against any of those. Because Krieg are like, 
you know, dig in type troops. So having some iron warriors trying to crash into their defenses, absolutely fantastic. Trying to take down an Imperial Knight, sure. Death Guard, slow and resilient. Iron Warriors, like that'll be a classic fight. Like, and Necrons just being resilient. Like these two armies just grinding against each other. Iron Warriors will work fine against all of those, and it'll feel like just this nasty war torn world. That is great. And I think the other thing for starting a campaign is. is Definitely have a setting in mind. Like, ha- like you've set the expectations for how the games will be played. Um, don't don't plan an outcome, but maybe have the narrative. Like, kind of know, like you know who your players are, and you know what what the like what each faction they're going to be playing as. Kind of come up with the idea of what is uh, what is the endpoint if. Like these, fa- this faction or these factions win. Um, it sounds like you've got five players, so it's you can't necessarily do a three on three or a two on two like team up thing. So it's going to be like everybody for themselves. So because uh, like Necrons kind of being this, actually, I could see the Death Guard and. The Death Guard and Iron Warriors against the Death Corps of Krieg and Imperial Knights and then have the Necron player playing as kind of a spoiler and doing like a three-faction thing. Like, if the Imperium wins, if Chaos wins, and if the Necrons win. Like, kind of know what your narrative is going to end up as. Um, that, that, that would be a good thing to kind of like give the campaign a feel of like everybody's pushing for a goal, but they don't know what that goal is until until the end, you know? So I think that that'll make it fun to see like and then have a couple of outcomes like if chaos comes in second, if Necrons come in second, like how do they affect things? If Imperium comes in last, if chaos comes, you know, that kind of thing, like figure out like what how how each group because that's kind of how like the Dawn of War games do things like they have a narrative that is like if this army wins, here's how the story plays out. So have that kind of thing in mind too, as your semi game master, as you write the narrative and uh, go from there. But it's, it sounds like, and, and also doing a, a slow, a slow grow campaign is fantastic. And that's also like with slow grow, you're probably going to be starting like 25 PL. You are looking at like a warp Smith or a chaos Lord and a couple of groups of legionnaires and, like let's see the let's see that's i could see like a couple of groups of legionnaires uh a warp smith a rhino and the terminators as like the core like at 25 pl because i think that comes in 5 plus 12 as 17 plus 4 is 21 plus 9 no it's 30 it's still a bit high but it's like maybe drop the rhino or something but it's like you can like start off like small like or like maybe just like one squad of legionnaires as and the rhino because that'll be 15 yeah that would yeah one squad of legionnaires the rhino the warp smith and the uh, terminators and like that's your starting like 25 pl patrol and then just add on to it from there and so like that's your core because that's going to score you win like that's going to score objectives that's going to have give you a little bit of mobility it's going to have like that tough hammer unit with the uh with the terminators and then just build on top of that and decides like yeah i'm going to go mauler fiends or i'm going to go uh 
obliterators, like figure out like maybe a couple of paths you can go. But I think like, I think that would be a fun way to just build that and just play it as hard as you can. Mm hmm. All right, our second letter is from Benjamin Robb. Benjamin writes, Hi, guys, love the podcast. I've been binge listening to your podcast as I do a lot of driving for work and thought, hey, since the listener mail has been a little lean lately, maybe you wouldn't mind a couple of noob questions I've had on my mind. I'm working on my first army, and I went with the Grey Knight since I love the lore and the Holy Warrior archetype, Paladins, Crusaders, etc. has always been my bag. Question one, I haven't played any 40k games yet, except the tutorial game the manager at my local games workshop store played with me to teach me the game, so I'm woefully unqualified to express this concern. But recently you addressed the complexity of the game in one of your podcasts and asked if Warhammer 40k was too complex. As someone totally new to the game, one of the characteristics of 40k that I found so enticing is its complexity, as it seems to me, please correct me if I'm mistaken, that the more units, loadout combos, stratagems, relics, litanies, etc. there are, the less the game hinges on the luck of your dice throws. And I fear perhaps wrongly, or I fear perhaps wrongly, that the more simplified the game is, the more it becomes a game of chance, which I think we can all agree, regardless of our preferred levels of complexity in the game, we do not want. I understand that luck is an inextricable part of the game, and I'm cool with that, but the layers of strategy and customization that go into the game is ultimately what got me swiping on my card for Warhammer models. Is this concern an oversimplification of the balance between complexity and chance? Is there something I even need to be concerned about? Uh, probably not, since I'm dedicated to just one army, for now, but your thoughts would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two, I've heard 40k fans bemoan that there hasn't been a really good 40k video game. I thought Space Marine was great, and I'm looking forward to the sequel. I know Dawn of War 2 was popular, but it's old now, and Dawn of War 3 has mixed reviews. But I wonder, though, if there... This hasn't been a blessing for the tabletop game. In this age of digital instant gratification, I fear that a groundbreaking 40k real-time strategy would be a bad for the tabletop game, as many players might leave the hobby. I think this theory is supported by the success of the Total War Warhammer franchise and, perhaps, its deleterious effect on the Age of Sigmar tabletop game. Do you guys think there's a com- connection there? Is Warhammer 40k better off without a digital competitor, or do you think it would get more people into the hobby? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again, guys. Benjamin. So, uh, can I, I want to, I want to take the second part of that first because, uh, Tim and I just had a conversation about Don, uh, total war Warhammer and Mm -hmm. I completely disagree with that assertion. I, the fact that we're getting the old world back as a setting is almost exclusively because of total war Warhammer, like that, that series and its popularity. I, it had, it may be having an effect on age of Sigmar, I don't know that, but but Age of Sigmar apparently is doing really well right now. So I, I was going to say I that. Yeah, I I don't I don't think having a a Total War Warhammer 40k, for example, would just increase the the hobby and get it out there to more people. I don't think it would have any effect on the tabletop. That would be negative. No, I don't think it would be. And I, and I while I cannot speak to like numbers. Everything I have heard from the Age of Sigmar community is that Age of Sigmar is more popular than it's ever been. Like it yeah. is, it has just been huge. It's been like it's not as big as 40k, but like for example, Flying Monkey, they like they have uh, a 40k and an Age of Sigmar event. Um, their mm. Age of Sigmar event filled up to the point they had to add more ticket spots available. So nice. they they sold out and had to add more spaces because they had enough people on their waiting list 
to get more, you know, to want to have more players. So Age of Sigmar is doing really well. I've heard a number of people moving from 40k to Age of Sigmar because they don't like how 40k plays these days. And Age of Sigmar has a little bit more of a relaxed community. So there, you know, there's some swapping. Age of Sigmar is not hurting at all because of Total War Warhammer. Everything I can determine says that. Um, And I do agree with you that the old world is exclusively because there's (laughs) there there are maybe not exclusively but highly driven by the fact that total war warhammer one and two and now three have been wildly successful yeah um and and but that's also picking off piggybacking off the fact that total war the total war series was very successful so exactly it was a natural fit Well, and they're, and they're using they're using the Total War series as a very interesting test kitchen for stuff that's going to go into the old world. So, for example, mm-hmm. Kislev is a playable faction. Cathay is a fleshed out playable faction, and like they never were in the tabletop game. There's a lot of things that they're that they've added to that game that I think will be in you know the old world when it comes back. That uh, no, I, I I'm of the opinion that good video games and good like tie in products help just blanket help the help the industry and help the help the hobby oh yeah and let's also consider we have chaos gate demon hunters which came out recently and has got pretty positive reviews 40k dark tide is coming out later this year which is going to make if anything that'll bring people into kill team yeah who want to get that that one looks cool uh, warhammer 40k battle sector is got very positive reviews and that is not it's almost a real time it's like a turn-based game but it's got that same look as like you're moving units around and fighting so it's very close to the tabletop experience and then you've got other games like gladius gosh there's another one sanctus reach like we've had like strategic 40k games not quite to the scale of like total war warhammer but there's been plenty of good 40k role play or good 40k video games that have in fact brought people into the hobby. Yeah. It's it is there is a history of it. So I I think Space Marine 2 is going to be an awesome release. I think yeah. but the Dark Dark Tide's the one that everybody's really waiting for right now. Yeah. Um, I'm even excited for the, the the stupid, silly Warhammer 40k bolt gun, which is basically what if Doom but 40k, complete with like 90s era graphics on imper- on purpose. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> I mean, they do kind of have a habit of throwing everything at the wall as far as licensing and yeah, and, and seeing what sticks, and it and not everything does. They they could stand to be more discerning with who they partner to make video games. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely for a while there that, that kind of sullied the reputation of 40 K video games because they were slapping a bunch of shovel wear out. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I, I think that's gotten a lot better recently. And my hope is that it'll continue and they'll continue partnering with good development studios and making good games. And I think that's only going to help the hobby. Right. But yeah, I, I'm not worried about uh, a 40k game taking away from the tabletop. If it, and here's the thing: Games Workshop is going to make money either way. Right? <laughs> like I don't think I don't think they're terribly worried about cannibalizing because they also realize that this gets to an audience that might not play the miniature game 
otherwise, but might be interested in other media. Hence the push for like Warhammer Plus and stuff like that. They're they're looking at this from a much more holistic point of view and seeing like this is a property we want to get out there. And yeah. so I think that's the, having having multiple outlets for playing. If anything, the Total War Warhammer has been an outlet for people who loved the old world and felt who did not want to make the transition to Age of Sigmar. And this is it's a way for them to get that fix without necessarily moving to another company's property like Kings of War or Ninth Age or something like that. Uh, And now as far as the first question, um, okay, so this is, I think, an aspect we didn't really discuss in our discussion of complexity and and such does removing the complex the streamlining the complexity reduce the game to a pure game a, a pure game of chance it does the complexity help help control the flow of fate in the game um uh, yeah i think so i mean i think the more things that you can structure rules wise like in control then you know, you're, you're, there's less randomness to it. But uh, see, that's the thing that I like about it. And this is why I've never complained about the complexity in 40K for me personally, is I think the game is a good balance of complex rules and still, you know, random, random roles and stuff like that. And like, and a mix of strategy and random and luck, um, which is why I like it. Um, but I also get that that balance point is different for every person. So, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer, you know, like an objectively correct answer for how much luck versus how much strategy should go into a game, because I think it's going to be different for every person. Yeah, I'll toss out my my two thoughts here. Is when I think of stripping it down, I think of going all the way back down to index is the, the, the like, most stripped down. But we've even admitted that a lot of the stuff that made index cool was each unit felt unique like it was supposed to. And all they've really done in the meantime is stripped out that stuff from a lot of the data sheets and put them onto stratagems, which is the thing we've been complaining about. So the stuff's still there. It's just in a different location that now has a resource cost instead of being always on. And the second point I've got there is, truthfully, if I was focused on one, maybe two armies, I don't think there would be a mental overload because I think I could handle that. But for me, trying to remember 10 armies, I, I struggle. I, I, and then I'll remember yeah. things after the fact because, and because that's what the little games between myself has, has taught me is the factions I'm more up to speed with, the more I'm thinking about playing. I don't feel like I have as much of an issue, but the ones that I kind of don't, I forget about more and just because they're mm. not off on the top of my mind. So. I think for those players, which is probably a lot of people who just focus on a few factions, I'll say one to three maybe, it's probably fine. But then you you know have to figure out your limit of what, what when is your brain going to be full and having a hard time remembering all the little intricacies of every faction. <laughs> yeah, agreed. It's like it's easy for me to miss a lot of things because yeah there's so many things and i'm coming at this from the the viewpoint of someone who as part of having a, a massive crack habit and uh you know a ma- and having a podcast where we have to study multiple factions and kind of know them and interact with them it does 
get to be a lot. But yeah, if I was focused on one army, and I think we did mention this, that if you're focusing on one army, there's a lot less bloat to to try to com- encapsulate in one's brain. Mm-hmm. Although I would like to point that he said, for now, it doesn't get better, Benjamin. <laughs> it just yeah, gets but, over but for now just means going to two. Two still fine. Once you get to like eight to ten, that's when it's really painful. Right, guys? Oh, like it ever stops yeah. at two. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, once it becomes easier to, like, justify it when you get to, like, eight or nine. It's like, well, it's only one more. I'm only increasing by, you know, incrementally this much more. So it's not... Kevin, I have a problem. I have a problem. How, how many? How many of those eight or nine are you taking to tournaments each Just, year? You know what? I don't need to be attacked right now. That is that is, in a, that is an inappropriate line of question. Hard you, Kevin. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's. I, I I don't I don't disagree with Benjamin's point. The idea that and like you know he is like you are Kevin. Like the complexity is the point. The complexity is part of what he digs from the game, and that's yeah. not wrong. And as I as I've examined the the other side of complexity, which like swing all the way back down to like a one page rules type type rules, I do look at those games, and while the like. The gameplay is still move units around and shoot at one guy or fight somebody else. It's like the all there is this, is the dice rolls. Like there's yeah. there's not a lot in the way of like interaction rules other than, and in that case, it's not even like shoot roll to wound like toughness. It's like shoot save shoot save, and so every interaction comes down to roll one bucket of dice versus another bucket of dice, and that's it. And uh, yeah. I Which don't can still think be fun. That's enough. It's it yeah. can still be fun, and and I think that's the thing. It also depends on like what you're looking into. If you are looking yeah. into just I, I want to hang out with my friends, I want to move some guys around and yeah. roll dice, and then that is absolutely fine. If you are looking for something where you are building this faction and you want this faction to do cool factional things, then yes, you do need more complexity than yeah. than what I think a one page rules offers. And it's just, it can reach a point where I think it goes, there's too many, like for me, for me, it feels Mm -hmm. like there can, you can reach a point where there's too many layers. There's too many pieces that don't matter. And I think that's the other part is like, there's a lot of stuff that feels complex for the sake of feeling complex. And the armies that I like better are the ones that don't have that, um, and yeah. I will say, like, Sisters, I feel, are f- fine in that regard. Uh, Death Guard is about at, you know, it, it's a pretty decent in that regard. Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines. Um, I will say, as a bit of a spoiler, I think the new demons hit that spot pretty well. They are not an amazingly complex army to, to grab, you know, to wrap your brain around. When you start getting into stuff like, like the Necron command protocols, the uh, the custodes, katas, um, stuff like that, that starts to get, and then layered on top of everything else. And I still think like, 
I know, Dennis, you've said it's not so bad in practice, but some of the Imperial Knight stuff still strikes me as like, this seems more complex than it necessarily has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Knight stuff I'm fine with, but I do agree that the things you have to handle each turn and make a selection at the top of the turn is the things that I type, I kind of forget. Although in the back of my mind, I'm starting to liken it to, well, it's almost the same as making sure you do your psychic powers or your litanies or things like that. Right. It's just, but it is, but it's an extra thing. You know, it's like every, every extra thing you have to remember is just that much more bandwidth that gets used up. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's for me. I think I don't want something with all the complexity stripped out. I just, want it kind of maybe reeled back because that also makes the game easier to to balance and that would I feel like that's like that addresses some of the combo issues if you cut down on some of that somewhat but but I yeah I wouldn't want to get rid of it all the way because I think 40k is a game where you do want that ec- extra complexity um honestly it's like again not to to praise Age of Sigmar too much as I'm not you know, as I, well, I do have Age of Sigmar armies, but this is not an Age of Sigmar show. But like Age of Sigmar, I think is one of those games where I think it does hit the sweet spot where arm like units have their own things that they do. There's hero abilities and they're like basically command abilities, which are their like their stratagems, which you can use, but it's there's a much smaller list of them. Army loadout is way way more simplified, but armies still do have like special rules that they use that are like faction specific and even change from turn to turn. And they still have, you know, magic that they, you know, like spells that they use and, and like all there's so like, there's a lot of the, the components, but it's definitely more streamlined than 40 K 40 K is probably one of the most complex games they make. And so it's just like, yeah, I think it's at about the top end of my, like anything much more complex than this. I st- would lose lose interest and so i like i'd kind of like this pulled back just a little bit but as long as there are armies and if i could focus on if i could actually focus on one army which i can't but if i could like there would be enough of a range of armies from and i you know that'd be a nice thing if they ranked armies like armies had a complexity ranking like these are ones Mm -hmm. like these are really good beginner armies versus like these are armies that are for more for more advanced players that would be kind of cool but yeah, that could be interesting. Well, and I think as they kind of do that is with their their different game lines within you know within the setting. So like Kill Team, although granted Kill Team's probably more complicated now than I remember it, but like having some of these other levels of games to kind of step into before you get to like the full complexity of a 40k game. But yeah, it would be interesting if they could you know it, to to develop some of those armies with like an an eye an eye for this being a starter army or being less complex than uh, than other ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's I I I don't think there's especially if you're just focused on one army. I don't even as a beginner. I think it's it's manageable. And Grey Knights are an army that is actually pretty simple to me. And like the you know it's an mm-hmm. army where yes you do have psychic powers that you're leaning hard you know leaning firmly on, but I don't seem to remember them having a ton of like crazy rules or anything like that not particularly not not anything that you have to like track from 
from turn to turn or that that changes based on you know the state of the game too much yeah they're mm-hmm. they're they're fairly simple i think right yeah and it's a small model count army by comparison so there's and and many of the units are like they're very similar stat lines so it's not like you're juggling a whole bunch of different stuff so like gray knights gray knights is actually it's like again it's one of those armies like it's actually a fair like a sweet spot of simplicity between simplicity and complexity with still having like all the loadout fun that you can do and enough options to make multiple builds and try some stuff out. So um, yeah, like as a new player, you know, you could find an army that's at your comfort level. And, and again, this is one that appeals to you. So like, if that's the army that like aesthetically appeals to you, go for it. And as we've talked about with stratagems, there will be stratagems that you forget you have, and that's not a big deal because there's just a <laughs> lot. So, uh, yeah, it's like if this if this is the spot that is perfect for you, then just enjoy that. I don't think there's anything you really have to be concerned about as far as excess complexity. And I don't think that's even in a, you know saying that you don't want the game to be completely focused on luck because just be warned even with all the the current complexity luck will still bite you in the ass <laughs> you will still oh, roll sure. ones when you don't want to so uh, so hopefully I hope that answers your concerns and questions Benjamin and if you have a letter you'd like us to read on the air uh, whether it's questions concerns um, commentary on past episodes. Uh, anything really uh there are three good ways to get to us so first off is email us you can email us at uh our first names at preferred enemies.com so rob at kevin at dennis at richard at preferred enemies.com or our first names one word at preferred enemies.com second is facebook we are facebook.com slash preferred enemies you can like us there follow us and send us messages uh with uh and we basically treat those like letters. Third is Twitter. We are twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular. Uh, and you can follow us on all, all those places, or you can send us messages on all those three places and we'll get them in the hopper, get through as many as we can. Uh, the hopper is technically empty, but we dropped our last episode yesterday. So there's not been enough time in between to get more mail. Uh, but, uh, we are always looking to, uh, answer listener mail. We love doing it. Also, if you want to help support the show in other ways we do have a patreon it's at patreon.com slash preferred enemies now if you have the means to help support us we do always ask that you do use your wargaming powers for awesome instead and use those resources to help out your local community in any way you can if after that though you still want to help support us you can basically use our patreon as an online tip jar uh, we do not lock any of our episodes behind a paywall. All our episodes are free to listen to, and I'm still looking into getting our older episodes up somewhere so people can listen to the really crappy recordings on a really crappy microphone that we had once upon a time, but there are people who want to hear them. Uh, so uh, uh, still working on that. But uh, yes, uh, your your money helps pay for our hosting, our recording service, our microphones, and our travel costs for going to events, and you have basically kept us income neutral, which is fantastic. We thank you very much for all of that. So that's patreon.com slash preferred enemies, and even if it's just a dollar, enough people put in a dollar, it adds up, and it really does help support the show. Uh, we're going to take a break for sponsor identification, and when we come back, we'll be talking about our main topic, which is 10 things you need to know about the new Chaos Demons po- Codex. See you in a bit. 
Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time to dig into our main topic, which is 10 things to know about the new Chaos Demon Codex. Uh, this copy was provided to us by Games Workshop in exchange for a uh, fair and impartial review, although it is kind of be kind of hard to be impartial because um, several of us play or have at least have Chaos Demon armies of some flavor or other, because I have a Nurgle army. Dennis is obviously all in on Slanesh, and I think, uh, Kevin, you play corn, so I've heard. I mean, I have a bunch of corn models, so sure. <laughs> we'll he, he, he just uses that Lord of Skulls, drops it on the table, and says he's good. Yeah. I mean, I have blood, I have blood letters and blood thirsters and blood crushers and blood blood and, you know. Blood blood. Blood blood, skull skull, blood skull blood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, the quick fluff rundown of Chaos Demons is the warp is an embodiment uh, it's like an alternate universe that is driven by emotion basically the emotions of all sentient creatures kind of pour into the uh, into the warp coalesce and can manifest into living well not living exactly but into sentient creatures and beings and so we have the four chaos gods there is Korn, who is driven by every urge of violence. Whether, you know, regardless of who it's pointed at, as long as there is rage or hate or violence, Korn is satisfied. Korn is made up of this stuff. Stop hitting yeah. yourself. Stop Angry, hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Angry internet commenter, commenters. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yes. Korn <laughs> loves the internet. Every time somebody wishes something would change, 
Zinch is empowered. Zinch is the embodiment of change for change's sake. Plans within plans within plans, whether they actually end up changing anything or not, but that's just because Zinch can't help but want to to twist in on itself and change things. Nurgle is every fear of, of death, every desire for growth gets twisted and embodied in disease where de- death and decay gives way to new new life. Uh, he's a happy, happy god who gives his gifts freely. And then every time someone seeks perfection or excess, it empowers Slanesh, which is why the Eldari accidentally created them. Because <laughs> the Eldari decided to want, they wanted the epitome of sensation. They wanted the greatest possible excess. And it, be- it, it coalesced happened. and it, it <laughs> happened. It coalesced and became Slanesh. And in its birthing throes, destroyed the Eldari Empire and tore open the Eye of Terror. And nothing good has happened since. Yay, we succeeded. Uh, <laughs> uh, these creatures. I, I would argue not much much good was happening before that either. But <laughs> also true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, these these are embodiments of the warp. Uh, they exist in the warp. They can occasionally manifest into the 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 physical mortal realm. And uh, they tend to wreak havoc in weird and unnatural ways, for they themselves are not natural in any way, shape, or form. There's not a lot else. Like, fluff-wise, they talk about, like, the various chaos gods and some areas where they've been active, some war zones where they've been active. And they, they mention the Eye of Terror. And that, like, that, the fluff section is actually relatively short in this book. As they as it is often is in the newer codexes, it's about like twenty pages or so. Maybe I'd say up to thirty-five, but a fair amount of that is illustration, and that also includes like the table of contents and such. So yeah, maybe about thirty pages of fluff. But basically, think of all the negative connotations of of, of emotion made manifest, and that's that is that's chaos demons right there. Uh, so. Let's talk about the the rules themselves. Um, so number one, the thing, one thing you definitely need to know is this is not one codex. This is five mini codexes in one book with almost no overlap between them. And when I say that, I mean, this book is split into five books. Like when you get into the rules, there's the book of blood. This is all the corn stuff. There's the Book of Change, all the Zinch stuff, the Book of Contagion, all the Nurgle stuff, the Book of Excess, all the Slanesh stuff, and the Book of the Warp, which is the few things that are Chaos Undivided or are not necessarily specific to a given god. That's also where Bellicor resides. That's also where you will find Demon Princes and Soul Grinders, which are the two units that could belong to any of the, the gods. And... Each of those books has their own selection of relics, psychic powers, except for Corn, because Corn doesn't like psychers. Um, their own warlord traits, their own like relics, warlord traits, stratagems, psychic powers, and there's no universal stratagems. Like there's no chaos demon stratagems, and then the god specific ones. And actually, if you look at the original, or if you look at the eighth edition chaos demons codex, there were like four or five 
um, stratagems that were generic, and one of those was putting stuff into Deep Strike, and then everything else was God-specific. This just basically gets rid of those few generic ones and makes everything God-specific. Hmm. Although there's a few things that you see repeated, like uh, every god, every Chaos God has their own relic stratagem. There isn't one generic relic stratagem. And that's interesting because there's also no warlords like warlord trait stratagem. There's no way in this army to get multiple warlord traits. Chaos demons don't like to share power a whole lot. There's constant jockeying against each other. So somebody's going to be in charge and they're not going to cotton to somebody else having a warlord trait. So they just don't have that as an option. Also, your stratagems are unlocked just by having one of those units in your army, not necessarily having a warlord of that particular chaos god because you do have traits like keyword traits for each of the chaos god allegiances and so having like you have one unit of blood letters in your army you just unlocked corn stratagems congratulations uh also i thought it was interesting that the one there was one other chaos unit that used to be in the codex that was universal and that was furies and they are gone. They're no longer in the book, which is funny because they have a plastic kit now for thanks to Warcry. <laughs> like there's actually play us play, there's plastic chaos furies, but you can't use them in this in this army anymore. Which was like it's kind of surprised me, but also I don't think anybody really took them much, so nobody's really missing out. <laughs> but there's there is one other thing that is universal um because like their data sheet abilities Unlike most codexes where they're after or they're like right before the fact like the sub fact or they're right before the data sheets, but after like all the sub factions and stratagems and stuff like that, because that's all God by God by God, they decided to put those all at the beginning of the rule section of the codex. And so we're going to talk about some of those that are shared between all of them. The first off, this is one of the big ones, the one that I was curious how this was going to work because of how it has worked in past codexes where it was really weird. And that was the Warp Storm. The Warp Storm table is actually, so number two on our list is the Warp Storm table is actually pretty cool this time. And it takes the place of many generic stratagems and fact and like God abilities. So, the Warp Storm table works if every unit in your army has the demon's faction keyword, which in this case, to separate demon, the keyword that lots of units have in multiple codexes, to separate that out, we instead have the Legiones Demonica keyword, which is a mouthful and in Latin, but that's the keyword for this army, Legiones <laughs> Demonica. If every unit from your army has Legiones Demonica keyword excluding unaligned and agents of chaos, then at the start of each battle round, you make a warp storm roll to warp roll warp storm. You roll eight D six at the start of the battle round for every four up you get, you get a warp storm point during your turn. You can spend these warp storm points to get special abilities. Most of them are like army wide or for your God specific ones will affect like all your, all the units you have of that particular allegiance any costing anywhere from two all the way up to five warp storm points. The the most expensive one is Dark Invigoration, which lets you recover a model with either up to D3 lost wounds or up to D3 models if they were models with uh, that were one wound each. 
if you have detachments that are of a particular allegiance, so for example, if you have a detachment where everything is corn, you also unlock three corn-specific warp storm abilities. Same for Nurgle, Zinch, and Slanesh. Um, you can use the same warp storm effect multiple times over the course of a battle, but uh, not more than once per battle round. So, which is important because some of these are like classic abilities that like this army had. Like for example, Slanesh. Slanesh is one of Slanesh's things is fighting first. That's like their thing. And instead of having it on the on the models, um, it's an ability that you can unlock. If you have a Slanesh detachment and you spend four Warp Storm points for Mesmerizing Dance, which gives every Slanesh unit in your army fights first. So, like, on average, you're probably going to have four or five Warp Storm points. Some turns you won't, and that's the, you know, kind of captures that whole idea of the whim of the warp. But at the end of the battle round, any points you didn't spend go away. Uh, so you can't, it's not like, uh, like I'm thinking blood tithe points from the, the old demon corn demon can codex where you like, you could bank your blood points, like mm-hmm. your blood tithe points from turn to turn. You cannot do that except there are a few abilities in each under each of the four gods. So for example, corn has a relic called the crimson crown, which lets you retain up to true up to two unspent, uh, warp storm points. Uh, Zinch has a psychic power in their discipline called Gaze of Fate, which lets them retain up to two unspent Warp Storm points. Uh, Nurgle has uh, one of their exalted abilities. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, for their Great Unclean Ones, if the model's on, like, one of their Great Unclean Ones, if you spend 25 points when you build, when you take them, they can keep two unspent Warp Storm points at the end of turn and Slanesh has a warlord trait that does the same thing. They, all of them save two warp storm points. So you can bank a little bit if you pick the right options for like your particular, like greater demon characters. But uh, for the most part, you're going to be kind of at the whims of fate to see if you're going to have enough points to do the thing you want to do on a given turn. And may you, if you're lucky, you might be able to do two things. But at least it's also just one set of rolling you do rather than having like roll for every unit or have it be in a like because I remember the old Warp Storm table from like seventh edition could like really screw you over because like it could wasn't there like an option like made all your invulnerable saves worse and things like that. Yeah, there were some really weird options. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a. Saying it was an odd set of rules is is downplaying it. You know, like back in the day, the warp storm. So when they announced like the warp storm table was coming back, I was like, "Oh, thanks, I hate it." But no, I actually really like this new version. I think it it gives a lot of that feel. It gives demons a lot of neat abilities, while still not you know it's separate from stratagem. So it is an extra thing you do have to track. But the fact like. I don't see it as any worse than like Miracle Dice or like the Strands of Fate, anything like that. I think it's it's pretty easy to manage. Yeah, I was actually going to say that it kind of seems like the the Miracle Dice or like it functions kind of the same way there. And I, I, I like that. Or Harlequin Luck Dice. Yes, which they also had to tone down. But I don't think this <laughs> this doesn't strike me as broken in the way that like, uh, you know, rerolls right. and things like that can work. 
Mm -hmm. But something you do at the start of the battle round is here's your resource. Exactly. And, and the idea that it, it is up to the, the luck of the dice, and I don't see anything, like, I haven't seen any abilities that allow, allow you to, and I may have missed it, it's very possible, but um, that lets you, like, re-roll warp dice or anything like that. It's like, no, what you get is what you get. The warp gives, the warp takes away. So, like, one turn, you might roll, like, let's say you're playing Slash, and one turn, you roll, like, six, and you're like, okay, all my stuff's gonna fight first, and... Um, Maybe then I have dark hallucinations. So like while an enemy unit's within t that one costs two and like, well, the enemy units within 12 inches, of one of my Slanesh units, when they start to perform an action, they roll 2d6. If I go higher than their leadership, then the action fails and they suffer d3 mortal wounds as they go nuts and hurt themselves trying to do the action. And then next turn, maybe I only roll three and now I can't even fight first. So it's like one of these things like, you can generally bank on having, you know, four. I think four is a pretty safe bet, but you won't always. And then some turns you'll have, like, crazy points that you'll be able to do stuff with. And if you want to lean into those abilities, that's where banking, like, having the, like, that one ability that lets you bank more. Well, you could have be, all four. Uh, you could, but well, it's going to be have, real like, two or three. Yeah. I was going to say, it's going to be super, ex like, A, detachment-wise, you can only, like, it's also going to be super expensive because a lot of the greater demons, uh, as we were discussing between uh, between segments, uh, went up in cost quite a bit. And then, like, the Nurgle one's going to cost you even more points because it's an exalted add-on. Um, I will mention that real quick. I think we talked about this when we talked about Engine War uh, during the uh, Psychic Awakening stuff. Every greater demon... Ha and, and every god has basically a list of exalted abilities that they can add on to their like their greater demons and this is very much akin to the like character upgrades we've seen like chapter master it's you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. um, they all cost power and points not all of them are 1 pl some of them are 2 pl uh they're anywhere from like 20 to 40 points depending um they don't change up the stats on the unit normally but they can be, uh, they can. There, there's like three for each god. We'll talk about them when we get to the god specific stuff. But uh, they are, you know, that that's uh, you know, an upgrade, and in some cases that can affect the warp storm table, like with the Nurgle one. Speaking of things that uh, used to be able to come and go with the Warpstorm table, I mentioned invulnerable saves for demons, and that's always been kind of a sticking point, which is why our number three is demonic invulnerable saves are now the best they've ever been. Uh, you may have seen this covered on Warhammer Community, but uh, demons now have a new kind of save uh, called a demonic invulnerable save, which has its own nomenclature in the stat line. It is always represented with two numbers. The first number is their save against attacks in the fight phase. The second is their save against attacks in the shooting phase or, you know, against any sort of shooting attack. Um, so, for example, the most common one that we see is five plus four plus, which means in melee, you, they have a save on a five up against shooting. They have a save of a four up. Uh, neither of these saves, the, they actually say the saving throw itself, not just the stat, but the saving throw itself cannot be modified in any way. That means AP doesn't matter. Light cover doesn't matter. Um, any abilities that would uh, increase the AP of an attack 
doesn't matter. Basically, you get no AP against demons. Now, that sounds like an invulnerable save. Invulnerable saves ignore AP changes and things like that. However, this is explicitly not an invulnerable save. It is its own kind of thing, which means abilities that ignore invulnerable saves, which we've started seeing a lot of lately, Mm -hmm. have no effect against them either. Which I imagine is a big sigh of relief for demon players because we've been seeing like, oh, look, my greater demon. Oh, you shoot my greater demon with a railgun. I have no save. I die. Oops. Well, <laughs> the other thing, just looking at it, most demons had a five up invulnerable save. And now it's on most of them are five up in melee and four up in shooting. So they got better. Mm hmm. Yeah. And this also gives them some interesting space to play around with you know design wise because like i said five plus four plus is the most common one that you see in the book but zinch like most of their stuff is six up three up they fall apart in close combat but they're really good against shooting oh so one of the things that's interesting is like you've seen with like uh some of the larger greater demons or you know exalted demons that um they list the demonic save out for each one and like the save doesn't degrade. But I think that's a possibility in the future that like you might see as a, as a unit goes down their stat line that like saves might actually get worse or get better. Like it gives them a lot of interesting flexibility going forward. Yeah. Um, and, and like also like the corn stuff, I said five, four, yes, their blood letters are five, four. A lot of the, uh, like their heralds and greater demons are four, four. So Mm -hmm. they, they are, even more resilient in close combat. And again, this like it gets rid of a lot of the, the interactions. Like some armies have these abilities like, Oh yeah, this attack is like minus five AP or ignores invulnerable saves. Demons don't care because they don't belong in this universe. So they have the save they have. And that's, but having, having the two different saves a, because the shooting one is almost always a better save. And I actually, I think it is, it, it's either equal or better. It helps demons get into close combat, which is where they really thrive because they have very few shooting attacks apart from like Zinch. And they need that. They need that. Like that's always been the trouble for chaos demons is against shooting armies. They can suffer. This gives them a little bit of a leg up because their, their saves against shooting are better. So this is a, yeah. this is a, a net benefit for, I think the entire army. I think this is this is fantastic. Now there are other things. These uh, the warp storm ability, the warp storm, the uh, demonic invulnerability. These are all wrapped into a single rule that you'll see on data sheets called demonic. So there's another thing about demonic, and that's called manifestation. And this takes us to number four on our points. Everybody can deep strike, but it gets a bit weird, especially with another ability in demonic called demonic terror. So in the previous version of the Codex, if you wanted stuff in Deep Strike, like every other army or like most other armies, you had to spend CP to put them in the warp so they could manifest later. Um, that's gone now. Every unit in this that has the demonic trait can be set up in the warp instead of the battlefield. It comes in during the reinforcement phase of the movement, reinforcement step of the movement phase, just like normal. Anywhere that is more than nine inches away from any enemy models or more than six inches away from enemy, enemy from any enemy models, and wholly within six inches of what is called a friendly warp locus model. Warp locus is a keyword, and it's a keyword that only exists on the named greater demons and on Bellacor. So named characters of greater demon or higher 
have well Bellacor is a demon prince but anyway those five mm-hmm. like five named characters that have warp locus so if you have one of those they can pop up even closer to an enemy model however if the entire army is legiones demonica then in the reinforcement step of your movement phase you can use these rules instead if you're within your deployment zone if the unit comes in wholly within your deployment zone they can pop up within three inches of an enemy model <laughs> of an enemy unit if you are neither wholly within your deployment zone nor wholly within your opponent's deployment zone so if you're in no man's land or if you've kind of spilled into like you're just a little bit into one or the other then it's equal to the current leadership characteristic of the enemy unit to a minimum of three inches and a maximum of nine inches so if you're in the middle of the table and there's an enemy unit there that has a leadership of seven you can deep strike within seven inches of them instead of nine Um, because it never gets worse than nine if you're fighting against like custodes who have ten uh, you're still going to come in at nine inches not ten inches so you're not penalized for going against a high leadership army now, where that gets interesting is Demonic Terror, which is an ability that all demons have. While an enemy unit is within six inches of this unit, subtract one from that unit's leadership characteristic and subtract one from any combat attrition tests taken for that enemy unit. Demons are scary. They're not They're not real. They're not supposed to be there. They will start chewing away at your leadership. And notice, that is not stated like... If an enemy unit is within six inches of one or more models with this or one or more units with this ability, it's per unit and it doesn't cap at like negative three like some armies do. Like, like I remember Night Lords, you know, like would cap at minus three. No, this if you can rush someone with enough chaos units, you can just just bury their leadership. And that means if they're in no man's land, you can get real close to them when you deep strike. Now, I do like that they they keep you from doing that in your opponent's deployment zone so you can't screw them over. Like, it, it does maintain a, a good path of balance. But it is – it's an interesting way to model the idea that, like, demons use weakness of character as a way to to get at someone. And so that can actually affect be affected by how strong your willpower is to resist the demons that would be summit, popping into reality near you. It's a neat fluff way to give them that, but also keep in mind that they are an army that kind of leans on deep strike for the element of surprise. And this is a neat way to give them that. Well, the other thing you mentioned there is with demonic terror is yes, it's a leadership, but it's also the combat attrition. Mm -hmm. So if you can get like three units there and you cause a morale thing, that's minus three to your combat attrition test. That means you'll be needing to roll fives and sixes to pass. Yeah, it's – there will be units that could theoretically collapse if they can get a, I mean, a couple – if you get a couple of demons on them. I think this is the first time that demons feel the right level of scary because normally it's been, oh, they're scary. Oh, we shall know no fear. Oh, they're scary. Oh, well, we just lose a model. It's just so th- – this could really – if you can, like, pile up the different units of demons and you could com- cause combat attrition to be a problem. And I think you can actually flood the table of demons with demon units now because one thing in in all the various like troop line like troop role units is none of them can be taken in units larger than ten. It's not like where they used to be of like hey if this unit is twenty or more they get like this ability. No, it's like everybody is ten. So you could you'll have a smaller cheap demon units as your troops. There's no reason to like not take six units of troops if you mm-hmm. can, if you can help it. 
Um, also, you know, I mentioned like if your entire army, there's one thing I wanted to mention, and that's the dem- demonic allies rule in their detachment abilities. If you want to use demons in a chaos army and the power ratings in this detachment make up no more than 25% of the army's power level, points don't matter, it's just power level, then until the end of the battle, every unit in that detachment gains the Agents of Chaos keyword, which means they can join in and don't generally interact with other rules. And they also specify that if, uh, like, corn units don't prevent world eaters from using any of their rules, Zinch doesn't affect Thousand Suns, Nurgle doesn't affect Death Guard, and Agents and uh, Slanesh do not affect Emperor's Children. Like, so, like, nice. you can have a mixed Emperor's Children and Slanesh Demons army, and while you'll lose some of the demon-specific stuff, you won't lose the uh, Chaos Space Marine stuff, which is kind of cool. I, I do like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. <clears throat> Speaking of bringing in demons, this takes us to number five. This is a real quick point. Demonic summoning and rituals, like demonic rituals, anything that could bring in demons that you didn't bring on the table with like reinforcement points, that's gone. It's just gone. There's no equivalent. There's nothing. There's warp storm ability, no stratagem, nothing. It is just gone. So you can't summon demons anymore. Too bad. You have to bring them when you, you have to take them when you bring them, but that's why you pay for them ahead of time and then just deep strike them in. But, but this means that I can't bring my extra 2,000 points of uh, pink horrors to the table. You're right. And just, You're right. You can't. Yeah, why would you, you bring that many pink horrors in your corn list? <sighs> no, nah, I know. I just, <laughs> no, th- this is a thing that I am 100% completely okay with getting rid of because. If you're trying to maintain some semblance of balance, being able to just, like, drop another army on the table midway through the game is uh, not not balanced. <laughs> no, it's not. So this is, you know, I, I actually like that that's, that's gone. Like, some people would argue that's, it, well, like, the fluff. It's like, yeah, well, the fluff, you, you do the fluff by, like, spending some of your points, like, spending a quarter of your points to take a demon. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to get into the individual books. We're going to tr- we're on a little bit of a time time crunch here, so we're going to try to get through these relatively quickly. Uh, so I apologize. We're going to hit the high points, and that's about it. Um, corn. What is corn about? Corn is making big hits, uh, and when I say that, it's like blood. For example, blood letters. Their troop units. Um, they have like two attacks each. Three with the uh, you know their leader has like the sergeant has three. They have like a they can use uh, warp storm points to get an extra attack, but their thing is like every one of the Hellblades hits at two damage. They're like AP minus three, two damage. When they hit, they hit hard. Um, the blood letters, like a lot of their attacks, got more damage. Like the the blood flail, I think went from like three damage, to like three d three or something like that. It's like yeah, yeah, um, it's three d three currently. Yeah, which is a lot. Yeah, because I think it was just a flat three or a D three before. Yeah, um, the mighty strike of the great axe of corn uh, used to be a D six. It's now D three plus three, which you know makes it on par with like glass cannons these days. It just gives you consistent big damage. And the greater demons themselves, like they went up from strength seven, tough seven to strength eight, tough eight for corn. They are hardy. They they like getting into fights. They also combined all the three different bloodthirsters into one one data <sighs> sheet and just let you change out the weapons. So good, so much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, I'll toss out the greater demon thing here. 
is if you have a greater demon in your lineup, the Herald does not take other HQ slot or a Force Org slot. Yes, there is that is as helpful well. helpful for all factions. Yes, yeah. and that kind of replaces the old, like, Heralds. You could have two Heralds in a slot. Well, now it's like one Herald is free if you have the appropriate greater demon. Exactly. So, or not not free point-wise, but yeah, it doesn't take well, up a slot. Yes. And pretty much every army has, like, four, like, every sub-faction, every allegiance has four Herald options. There's usually at least one named, and then... Like one on foot, one on a mount, one on uh like a like a chariot. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like as far as special abilities, all the greater demons have um, demons of that allegiance, uh, core demons of that allegiance within six inches reroll hits of one. So they're basically captains. Heralds have core units within six inches reroll wound rolls of one. That makes them lieutenants. That's pretty much it across the board. Very easy to remember. Yeah, so each one of the Greater Demons and Heralds lost whatever auras they had, and these are the new ones going forward. Right. Which I know hurts on a couple of them for, like, it forces you to change up your play style a little bit, but uh, it does streamline these. It makes them much, I I think Demons are a very easy army to play because they basically want to run up and beat face for the most part. (laughs) And uh, Corn is definitely all about running up and beating face. I mean, they've got pretty average movement, you know, like six inch movement on their troops. Uh, their vehicles have like eight, eight inches. Cavalry has 10 inches of movement. The Bloodthirsters have tw- uh, 12, except for Scarbrand. He only has eight because somebody tore his wings off, you know, like blew out his wings when he got kicked out. He's sad. So he's, he's sad mad. He's real sad mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we're going to talk about the Book of Zinch, the Book of Change. Um, Zinch has... Real quick, uh, the, the exalted abilities. I did want to cover those for corn. Um, for your bloodthirsters, you could get uh, Indomitable Onslaught. You can't lose more than eight wounds a uh, phase. Uh, if this, there's one, like, if you, when this model fights, if it charged, was charged, or heroically intervened, they get plus one strength and attacks. So strength nine and like nine attacks, which is crazy. Or Rage Unchanged, you are considered to have double the number of wounds for determining your, what your uh, characteristics are. So you just don't degrade until you're almost dead. Yeah. Indomitable Onslaught's the one I would always go with, I think, if I have the points. Because uh, not 20, was a 20 wounds and not being able to lose more than eight in one phase means that he's actually going to stick around like at least three phases. So he's not going to immediately yeah. get wiped off the table, which has right. always been a problem. <laughs> Because they tend to draw a lot of fire. <laughs> yes. Uh, Zinch. Uh, Zinch is all about magic and about... That's our number number seven. Zinch is all about shooting and psychic shenanigans. And so, uh, for example, you've got Kairos Fate Weaver, who can cast three psychic powers and knows all of the powers from the Zinch discipline, which is called Pandemoniac. Uh, the Lord of Change can also manifest three powers and knows three powers from that discipline. All the heralds can uh, manifest two, except for the changeling, the named, like one of the named ones. Oh, and then there's the blue scribes who are not, they are not heralds. They are just horrors. But, uh, but like the, the fate skimmer, the flux master and the change caster, which are the heralds, each can all manifest two powers. 
So uh, your your HQ units can cast more powers than they used to be able to do, and they have ways to get additional powers through like stratagems and warp. Or I think it's a uh, warp storm powers that lets them manifest additional. However, pink horrors lost the ability to smite. Uh, instead, they, uh, which that was the thing. It's like you had pink horrors, then you had blue horrors, and you had brimstone horrors, and blue, brimstones and blues lost the ability, lost the coruscating flames shooting attack, but they could still smite to be able to do something. Well, now mm-hmm. none of the horrors can smite, but instead they all have coruscating flames. The big thing is their uh, ballistic skill drops as they uh, as they split, and their leadership drops. Uh, wounds drop, etc. Strength and toughness drop, etc. The other thing is, like you always like you can either take pink horrors or blue horrors. They're two separate units, but they have basically the same abilities. In that, when a pink horror or a blue horror dies, instead of just automatically splitting into the next size down, you roll a d6 on a four up. That unit, that model gets replaced with either two blue horrors if it was a pink horror or one base of brimstone horrors if it was a blue horror uh the start this can increase the unit above its starting strength it doesn't affect their power rating because they also get less good as they go on but uh the other thing is to keep people from taking blue horrors because hey they're cheaper and uh, i just need the shooting attacks if a model is or if a unit is made of either it is made of exclusively blue horror or brimstone horror models they lose obsec and they lose the ability to t- perform actions. So that okay. you know, the t- taking cheap blue horrors to fit in all your other good stuff can really hurt you because you lose the ability to score a bunch of stuff. All right, that sounds. I, I like that. <laughs> um, otherwise, let's see. As far as other shooting flamers, which were like one of the other big shooting choices for Zinch. Um, their flickering flames are now assault instead of like pistol or heavy in the case of exalted flamers. So, uh, you can advance and use them. Uh, they like the flamers themselves assault D six plus three strength user, which is strength five. So assault D six plus three, 12 inch range, five strength, five AP minus two auto hit one damage each. There, I mean, a unit of flamers, which is going to be anywhere from three to six, can put out a lot of damage at 12 inch range and they move 12. So, and they can advance. So, like, you can rush up and get somebody in flamer flame pretty fast. So, um, just lots, lots of shooting and psychic shenanigans from Zinch. That's basically what they do. Um, number eight. The Book of Contagion. This is our look at Nerg. Oh, sorry. I keep forgetting. And the Exalted <laughs> Powers. The Exalted Powers for uh, for Lords of Change. So, Architect of Deception. Each time a range attack is made against the model, subtract one from the hit roll. Master Mutator. At the end of the Psychic Phase, roll a d6 for each enemy unit that suffered any mortal wounds as a result of a psychic power manifested by this model. On a two-up, the unit suffers an additional mortal wound. And Nexus of Fate, uh, on in your command phase, if this model's on the battlefield, roll a d6. On a 4-up, you gain a command point. Uh, any of those would be good. Actually, I'd say Architect of Deception is probably the least useful, and it's the most expensive. Because yeah. <laughs> you already have a 3-up invulner- demonic save against uh, shooting, so 
I would probably go with uh, Mutator and Nexus of Fate, just because yeah. extra command points are good and more mortal wounds is good. Exactly. Hey, I, I do want to say before we move on to this next section here, um, we're going to have to re-record this entire like last several points because you didn't put Corn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Slanesh in the assign them to the right numbers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying, like the- you, you, you missed you missed the golden opportunity. I, mean, I guess Nurgle is in the right order, is the right number. But no, nope, Nurgle's at. Oh, no, it isn't. No, yeah, nope. okay, nope, you're They're right. They're all yeah. wrong. <sighs> yeah, no, I have because I'm doing mistake. them in the order that I, it's a if rookie I had, mistake. I, I, I would have had to flip like I had it. Slanesh would have had to been first, then Nurgle, <laughs> then then Corn, then Zeech. And then the book would mistake. be really hard for me to follow. It, it, <laughs> right, that's fair. That's fair. I just noticed that when I was reading too. That I'm like, hmm. isn't Slanesh normally the first one anyway? Yeah, uh, normally. Yeah, normally, but it's the last one in this book yeah. of, the, of those four. Not so GW decided one. to lay. Th- so so GW decided to lay it out wrong. We'll we'll go with that. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Zinch all about sh- all about shooting. Psyches also they have the most flying units in that I think everything but horrors and like the uh, change caster can fly. <laughs> like the the foot herald and the and the horrors are the only things that can't fly. So they can move up quick and shoot you, and then do psychics at you. It's basically, they exist at eighteen inch range. Next up, number eight. Which is an incorrect number, as Kevin has pointed out. Uh, Nurgle, the Book of Contagion. Nurgle is all about taking hits. Nurgle is about surviving. Now, in the past, that meant like a five up ignore wound ability. Basically, like, you know, like anytime you take a wound on a five up, you ignore the wound. That's gone. They, they streamlined Nurgle and there's no way to get that back. I haven't found any ability in here that replaces like, that lets you shake off wounds. If you take damage, you take damage. However, they just made everything tougher and have more wounds. So, for example, the Great Unclean one is Strength 7, Tough 9, and 22 wounds. Yeah. Tough 9. Uh, they're basic troops. Uh, Plague Bearers are Tough 5 and 2 wounds each with a 5-up, 4-up save. And it's a good thing you can't take them in units of more than 10, because, you know, 20 of these things would just live all game long. <laughs> so they, they've they basically made everything tougher. Like, all their heralds are tough six six wounds. And, uh, like, the Poxbringer, which is their, their like, tri- like standard generic herald, uh, he actually can make uh, Plague Bears within six inches of him, like, a select a friendly unit of Plague Bears within six inches, and they get extra attack on sixes to wounds. So it's like they can they can push the damage output on this, and actually the Plague Swords automatically wound on a six anyway, so in that case they're going to wound on a... they're going to do two wounds on a six. So it's like they can get automatic wounds in if they hit well. That's kind of how their their Plague Blades are, are reflected, but otherwise, they're just, they're slow. They move five inches, but they are tough. Nothing, however, is quite as tough as the Beasts of Nurgle. And this one, I think, is may have been a bit of a, a this one might get toned down a bit. Because the Beast of Nurgle is tough six, seven wounds, five up, four up save. Okay, fine. Grotesque regeneration. At the end of each Phase, not just turn, phase. If a model in this unit has lost any wounds but was not destroyed, that model regains all lost wounds. Woof. 
Yeah. See, that, for when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, t- I had heard about it. It's like, turn. No, it's phase. It's worse. It's way worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, at I, least they're $50 models. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Games Workshop saying at least they're $50 models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, aren't aren't they one of the made to, classic made to order models now this week? Can, so like, yeah, actually, yeah. yes. She can get she can get a boatload of uh, the old uh, ugly uh, metal ones for cheap. Uh, yeah, er. <laughs> well, cheap. Er, twenty five bucks a piece. <laughs> they're yeah, they're twenty five mean, half, half price. <laughs> yep. For some ugly ass models. They are very well, the new ones aren't models. much prettier. These are still pretty ugly, but well, the new ones have an aesthetic, though. Yeah, <laughs> I will give they, you that. They they are ugly and but look like they're supposed to look ugly, right? And not look derpy ugly, right? Oh yeah, those old ones are just <laughs> yeah. They're not not great. They're not great. And yeah, like otherwise, there's not a lot of like. Most of the units in here are, are they're relatively uh vanilla. Uh nerglings are also troop choices and um they are minus 1 to be hit also because they just tend to pile up and then run away and then pile up again. But they also can't be your compulsory uh troop choice because they're just made of tiny bodies. <laughs> That's the it's actually called tide of tiny bodies. <laughs> And then, of course, they still have the Feculent Naromov, which uh, gives you the the Nurgle Tree, which can create a, like, if anybody, any enemy units within uh, air, within engagement range of it, so don't attack the tree, you take mortal wounds. Don't don't attack the tree, there's no point. But it does also allow Plague Bears to respawn, like, like it actually can restore lost Plague Bears, which is a problem because Plague Bears have two wounds each. And it's also the only way they can respawn because it with the because they have two wounds each, you can't use that five point warp warp storm ability to replace them because that can only resp- restore D three models of one wound each. Mm-hmm. All right, number eight. No, that was number eight. Oh, so again, <laughs> exalted abilities. I'm going to keep forgetting. <laughs> And then the exalted abilities for the great unclean ones, um, uh, bountiful gifts at the end of each battle round. If this model is on the battlefield, you can retain up to two unspent warp storms. We warp storm points. We talked about that one. Hideous visage. This unit has an aura of uh, when an enemy is within six inches of the model, subtract one from leadership and one from combat attrition. That stacks with demonic terror. <laughs> And revoltingly resilient uh, is subtract one from the damage of any melee attacks made against them. That's the only damage resistance I see in this. So I thought that was interesting that Nurgle does not get damage resistance in any old way other than it's the oldest way. They're just hard to wound and they have they can eat a lot of damage. Well, we've we've seen a lot of I mean, Death Guard prime example of trying to the game trying to remove extra rolls extra mm-hmm. dice mechanics and things from it so it's like no instead it's just this and it works out pretty well i think for death guard so um making them a little bit extra tougher making them where stuff just you know is harder to hit uh accomplishes roughly the same thing without without slowing the game down too much right 
All right, number nine. We're getting near the end here. Uh, Slanesh, yeah. the the Book of Excess, Dennis's favorite book. Yeah, because it is purple. And, and I have an excess of models I need to paint. You, oh, you do. <laughs> yeah. So slit. So whereas Corn was about making big hits, Nurgle is about taking about taking hits. Slanesh is about getting there fast and making lots of hits. Um, pretty much everything in here either has lots of attacks base or has X weapons that can provide extra attacks. Now there's lots of units where it's like, Oh, and when you fight, like you make extra, like so many extra attacks with this weapon and you can't use this weapon to make more attacks of that type. So in this book, because that happens a fair amount uh, they created a type called Malefic, which is just shorthand for you get this many attacks. Like, So, for example, the Keeper of Secrets has, with their snapping claws, the big crab claws that Keepers of Secrets have, uh, has Malefic 4, which just means whenever you attack, you make four additional attacks with this weapon, and you can't make any more attacks with this weapon than these four. A lot of the Slanesh stuff has Malefic attacks rolled into it. And if it doesn't, it tends to have a lot of attacks base. And that's mostly just because you have steeds, you have the, like you said, the claws. It's just almost on every single unit they have the malefic for the extra attacks, which right. I'm kind of happy they rolled it into a keyword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, it does make the, the data sheets uh, noticeably smaller. Keepers of Secrets also do have the extra ability of being uh, minus one to be hit uh, because of their mesmerizing form. Against range attacks, their chariots are minus one to be hit. So, like, the Torment Bringer, which is a Herald on Exalted Secret Chariot, the Torment Bringer on the Secret Chariot, and if you take those chariots by themselves, and the Hell Flayer, uh, they're all minus one to be hit. Also, all of those are have saves of four up, four up. So, with that and the minus one to be hit, they might actually get into close combat once, which would be amazing for them. I mean, it just feels like you're playing Harlequins at this point, right? <laughs> which is appropriate. Um, <laughs> also, they're fast. A lot of, like, I think the slowest unit in here is Demonettes at 10 inches. Uh, I think one of the Heralds is only nine. Oh, Might yeah, the them. Infernal Arrest. Well, she's got that whole-ass harp, harp to carry <laughs> around. I'll forgive her for being slightly smaller. But, slightly yeah, the slower. thing... I'll note on that is they lost the aura that characters gave of um, advance and charge. But to make up for it, every unit, for the most part, there's some that didn't, but they got like two to three inches of extra movement. Like Demonettes only used to be only a seven, and now they're a ten. So on a whole, you're, you're going to be moving more, and you don't have to worry about the advancing, getting that roll in. It's kind of built in of the average of an advanced roll. So you can hopefully still move and charge on turn one, because these, these units are so fast. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, it's like, you just, like, you're going to be rolling a bucket of dice with the attacks. Like a unit of demonettes, which again, caps at 10, like all the other lesser demons. Four attacks each, five for the Allurus, so you're rolling 41 attacks for that unit. That's just amazing. And, and like you said, that four up against shooting will hopefully get them there. 
Yeah, hopefully, because uh, and because they, they they need to be able to get into close combat, and uh, that's also why you want to run multiple units of demonettes, so you just flood them with targets. Well, that there you're also your troop for objective secured and um, getting points, and they're just your useful hold things unit. Yeah, even though and then you don't once, hold things well, <laughs> right? Well, and then once they get in, they they did also. Um, there's another aura that they lost, which is the plus one strength that they used to lean into. So to make yeah. up for that, at least demonettes got an extra point of strength, so they're more likely to wound, which is very helpful. Yes. I'm still crying over that loss of strength. Yeah. And they did also lose the ability for their attacks to rend and become like AP minus four, but instead they're just AP minus two all the time. Which that is a kind of a loss due to the fact so much stuff has um, armor of hate, or armor of contempt. Right. So, I mean, there's still pretty much a minus one without rending now against most armies. Mm-hmm. Sad. <laughs> it is sad. Um, and then, but one thing I know, something I haven't mentioned on the other lesser demons is the lesser demons can all take an icon and an instrument. Uh, these are free upgrades. They do not cost any points to take. They provide keywords. And for every god has a stratagem that can be used to target a unit with uh, an icon of the appropriate type. So, for example, the Rapturous standard for uh, Slanesh, uh, let's, uh, every time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, you can re-roll the hit roll. So now you're just rolling a bucket of dice twice <laughs> to try to get in as many hits as you can. Again, all about volume here with Slanesh. And uh, the Transweaver, the the on-foot herald, gives your demonette, you pick a demonette core unit within six inches of them, they improve the armor penetration of their attack by one. So there's your counter to Armor of Contempt. Now I'm hitting you at AP minus two again. But yeah, basically, like, all the Snesh stuff, yeah, I mean, and, and granted, we're, we're, like, coasting past, like the like, the psychic disciplines, which sometimes add additional attacks or... Uh, make their six, like they have one called Hysterical Frenzy, which gives them an extra attack on a core unit and makes their sixes explode. Even more hits to roll. Or there's usually abilities that lower leadership some more or cause mortal wounds. Pretty standard psychic power stuff. This army is yeah. very much about causing leadership penalties. So, and they benefit from it. So that's, that is good. I'm happy Delightful Agnes, Agony stayed the same as giving you a five up feel no pain for a unit. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Take that, Nurgle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you better hope that five off goes off because a hit that will kill you just inconveniences them a little bit. So, no, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and then number ten, our final point. number nine. You what? have exalted abilities in number nine. Ah, see, eventually <laughs> I will remember. But not today will not today. be that day. <laughs> Exalted abilities for Slanesh, Keepers of Secrets. Diaphanous Panoply. Each time a range attack is made against this model, subtract one from the wound roll, which already stacks That's on top nice. of their minus one to be hit. Epicurean of Agonies. Each time the model makes a melee attack, an unmodified hit roll of six scores an additional hit. And Insatiable Onslaught, add two to advance and charge rolls for this unit. Again, like you needed I, I to like be faster. I like the first one. I really like the first one. Well, yeah, especially because, like, your greater demons are still only tough seven. They didn't get a buff like the others did. Yeah, so most, like, weak weapons would be wounding on six. Your big weapons, unless they're higher, are still going to be, like, four. So, I mean, mm -hmm. 
it's going to be hard to wound with that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like, you know, we've mentioned Scarbrand and, uh, like Kairos Fate Weaver. There's also like Rodigus for Nurgle and Shalaxi Hellbane. Like they have a few special abilities that like do make them a little, like a bit better. But like I, I look at them like I don't know if it's so much that they're like must takes, other unless you want to have that locus of power. Like the warp locus is definitely a plus for being able to get somebody within six inches of them. Cause you, it, cause like if you lose an all Legion Demonica army, you don't lose the ability to summon within six inches of a warp locus. You could just says you can use this instead, but it doesn't replace it entirely. It just opens up more options. So that might be a benefit to taking the named greater demons as well, but you also can't give them relics and you can't upgrade them to be exalted. Or you could take the Infernal Enraptures for a Locus. That harp is powerful. Oh, she is a Warp Locus. I wonder if any of the other Heralds are, because I don't remember seeing too many. Because, like, Skulltaker is not. Um, Skulltaker is not. Uh, the Changeling and the Blue Scribes are not. Uh, let's see. The Sl- Spoilpox Scrivener, Epidemius, and the Slobbity Biopiper are not, nor is Horticulous Slimux. So many heralds for Nurgle. Because they don't and- have a harp. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, the Infernal Enrapturous is. So that makes her special. So that that's actually kind of cool that they actually have an e- extra warp locus that they can take. And uh, yeah, that pretty much... But yeah, that's, that's Slanesh there in a nutshell. Um... Yeah, in that one, in that case, yeah, I think Diaphanous Panoply is probably the best one. I mean, Advance and Charge is nice, but you already move so fast, I don't know how much you're going to need that. Right. Especially because you don't have the ability to advance and charge. Right. And then finally, number 10. This one does not have any exalted ability, so I'm not going to miss anything on this one. Haha. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I, I made it. Um, the Book of the Warp. This includes the data sheets for uh, Demon Princes and Soul Grinders. And this also includes Bellicor, his special psychic discipline, and the Army of Renown rules for playing uh, Disciples of Bellicor, which is familiar if you've seen any of like the campaign book where he was he was originally added. They've expanded on it a bit because we also have Chaos Knights now, and that ties into it as well. I mean, Belcor himself as a as a demon prince, he's almost greater demon capabilities. Strength eight, tough seven, twenty wounds, four up, four up saves. Your opponents can't reroll hit rolls against him. They subtract minus one from the hit rolls and wound rolls. They subtract one from the damage of ranged attacks against him. He is he's he's hard to hit, hard to wound. Uh, he's got some nasty attacks with the blade of shadows he has his own psychic discipline which allows him to bring in legion demonica infantry or disciples of bellicor infantry within uh deep strike like he can that if they're within 18 inches of them he can move them around the table stuff like that um a lot a number of his things can you know he's he's good at uh allowing legions and disciples of bellicor to uh reroll hit rolls at once. So he's like, he is an all purpose greater demon effectively. And he has all four allegiance keywords. So he, that does mean he will unlock every stratagem because he is a unit of, with that keyword. Um, 
And he is also a warp locus, so that makes him pretty handy. However, you can't have other demon princes in a detachment with him. And he also hates other demon princes and, and re-rolls hit and wound rolls against them. Because <laughs> he's <laughs> jealous. He's a, he's a jealous boy. But really, if you're going to take Bellacor, you're probably be, you're probably going to try to take um, him for his army of renown. I mean, he is pretty good, and he can fit into any detachment, which I think means if you take him in a detachment, he does still satisfy the uh, warp storm table because he is like he does have the like the appropriate keyword. So if you took him in a corn detachment, he has the corn de- keyword, and he has the legions demonica keyword. So he will exist in that and uh he also breaks the rule the greater demon has to be your warlord unless the army includes bellicor he can be warlord he doesn't have to be but he can be however if you decide to take the disciples of bellicor army of renown it is an army of renown that can be made up of uh chaos marines demons and chaos knights has a few restrictions though uh, everything has to be chaos except for unaligned. Your warlord must be Bellicor. You cannot include any named characters or demon prince models. You can't have any greater demons. They can't have any demon engines. No world eaters, thousand sons, death guards, emperor's children, chaos knights, except for house Corvax, because that's the house, that's the house raven plant, you know, that he stole and corrupted. You can't include more cultists than other Traitorous Astartes infantry, so they still have that same rule. You cannot include uh, Legion Demonica and Traitorous Astartes in the same detachment. Your Traitorous Astartes cannot have any marks. Um, if you upgrade House Corvax Disciples of Bellicor unit to have a favor of the Dark Gods, it must be fa- Blessing of the Dark Master. You can't, and here's the tricky one, you can't include a second Demonica like demon unit until you have units of all four gods and then you can switch over and start adding another set of four and so on and so on. Hmm. So like the, the example says, if you include a Legion Demonica corn unit, you can't add a second corn unit until your army con- includes a Legion Demonica Zinch, Nurgle and Slanesh unit. So it's, you have to play mixed chaos with him. But all armies in your unit gain the D- Disciples of Bellicor faction keyword, all your Traitorus Astartes units, except for cultists, gain Legion Disciples keyword. All units in your army with Legion Demonica gain Demonic Disciples, and this matters for stratagems. Um, you can include one super heavy auxiliary detachment that contains a House Corvax unit, and they keep all their detachment abilities. Um, all troops in your unit army are obsec. Um, your Traitorus Astartes can never, they never count as a Legion detachment. And they can never have any Legion-specific keywords or, like, stratagems, relics, warlord traits, etc. But you gain access to Disciples Bellicor stratagems. Uh, your psychic power, your psychers can use the same psychic discipline as Bellicor. And your Legion Disciples units, which are your tra- your Chaos Space Marines, have a ability called Disciples of Shadow, which gives them better combat attrition tests and minus one to be hit uh, if you're more than 12 inches away. So it's basically a way to stack all that stuff together in a couple of detachments and taking Bellacor as well. It's I think the main thing about it is being able to take all that mixed stuff together. They've got some... And, you know, they have stratagems, but again, these stratagems can't be used for any other army. And that's... And other than the Crusade rules, which gets into playing the great game between the four Chaos Gods and playing around with those... Um, 
that is basically the the demon codex and i say basically because none of the four gods are all that complex to play and uh the the most complexity comes into like the warp storm table which is right at the front and is pretty easy to manage so uh what do you guys think of this one having looked through it it's gonna feel a lot different I'm just pretty much focused on the Slanesh part because I don't think I'll drop a Bellicor into a Slanesh army. It just seems weird. But I'd have to test it out, try and see because the Demonet units in the way I've been playing currently had been just hold a points and then um, try not to die. And you still need that for actions and other things. So you still, I'm going to say you still want to run max six troops there and unfortunately they're going to be more expensive now but hopefully they're also more durable everything just feels more expensive so i probably have to play around with it to see does the higher expense um mean they'll survive better because i do remember in some of the little test games i was playing yeah some of the greater demons were able to get shot off the board on top of one from knights and whatnot so will survivability like went out yeah i think that's one of my big questions is that they added a lot of things to make them more resilient and be able to stick around longer and i'm interested to see if how those actually play out i I think it's a a very interesting swing with the uh, demonic saves um so i'm interested to see how that actually plays out on the tabletop yeah, I think i think demonic saves are probably one of the the biggest things for this book um, that it, that is going to feel like a buff to, to most existing demon players. But, uh, yeah, there, there is a lot of changes, a lot to get used to. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause like, I'm looking at the Nurgle stuff and I'm like, wow, this is, this is going to be really streamlined to play. And I'm going to have to like, kind of rework my Nurgle units. Cause I've been building them in like units of 20, like, two units of 20 and a unit of 10. So now I've got five units of 10, which is great. But now, now I'm like, do I need to build more like icons and stuff to be able to have? Cause you want to have those cause they're free. So it's like, there's that. And yes, it like the extra toughness and extra wounds would be really cool. The extra, the, the way the demonic saves were really interesting. And it's definitely gonna be playing faster. Cause I won't have to be like rolling to see if I save wounds. It's like, it's, surprisingly vanilla army which is but i do like i like how they but i also like how they're playing around with leadership in this army in a way that like i don't think any other army has really leaned in too hard and like you said earlier dennis like it actually will make demons feel on the tabletop like they're supposed to be scary which is something we have not really seen yet and i'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out and so yeah and i i like the warp storm table and I, I like that also, like, I can just focus on, like, I don't, I don't feel like I have to splash in a bunch of other stuff. I can, fo- like, you can focus on one god and be totally fine with this, this list. And, and yeah, yeah like, I like how the book's arranged. I, we, I think last episode we mentioned, like, it'd be cool to see something that was like a bunch of mini codexes. And pff, here we are. This is what it looks like. And I kind of <laughs> like it. I, I dig it. Um, we are running out of recording time because I have a prior engagement, which is so I apologize if this seemed like a really fast and fast run. Um, Slanesh this. goes fast. Slanesh goes fast. And so do I, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in this case. But uh, 
Uh, so we are going to be skipping hobby progress in the morale phase, uh, but we do have the uh, pre-orders for next week that are up, and that is Into the Dark. The new uh, the new Kill Team box is coming out, and the Lucidian Star Striders and Gellerpox inf- <laughs> Infected are being released separately. I am excited so about that, because I really do like the Star Strider models. <laughs> um, and the Kill Team Annual... And the Phobo Strike team and the Trader Guard box will be available separately as well. Woo! So that is that is very cool that those are going to be available. So not that I'm going to buy more because I don't want to pay sixty bucks for, especially because the box is all the stuff that was in that. So it includes the trade, like the uh, Chaos Commissar and the uh, like the Trader Commissar and the Trader Ogren, and like I don't need mm-hmm. more of those per box. I just want the I just want the Trader Guardsmen. Yeah, that's fair. But and they say, oh, and they will also soon have rules for Warhammer Forty Thousand. They do specify that. So yes, Trader Guard rules. Finally, we'll Woo-hoo. finally find out what army can take them and how they work. That alone makes me happy. I, like I might pick up a second box just to be able to use them like that. So we'll see. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Trader Guard are coming, which means I'm gonna have to get another army. Yay! <laughs> so we got Trader Guard, regular guard, and. Gene Steeler Zeno guard. Scarred. Yeah, Gene Steeler Guard. And then and no you, guard no for guard. Dennis. Yes! No guard. <laughs> guard, guard. You let your guard down, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I end up with the Legions of Oton, right? <laughs> yes, short guard. Short, short guard. guard. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> Oof. Just wait. It's coming. Oof. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. Oh, we do. We do. All right, like I said, we've got to cut this episode a little bit short. Um, we like we, Next episode, we may come back with a few more reflections as we dig into this a little bit more. Again, I apologize for the abbreviated time frame on it. But uh, until then, episode... So this has been episode 265, so maybe 266 we'll dig into uh, demons a little bit more as we can. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and remember, all those bad thoughts can come out of the warp and kill you. Good night. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.